الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا ونبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد This is our fourth day in the دورة العلمية We're going to carry on the شرح of the كتاب تعظيم العلم written by شيخ صالح بن عبد الله بن حمد العصيمي We would take today and then tomorrow we'll finish inshallah ta'ala and then after that, we're going to do 25 hadiths from Arba'un al Nawawiyah today and 25 hadiths tomorrow from Arba'un al Nawawiyah, inshallah ta'ala, with the ziyadat al Rajabiya, which will make it 50, inshallah ta'ala. Naam. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alameen, wa sallallahu wa sallam, wa baraka ala abdihi wa rasulih, nabina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. قال الشيخ حفظه الله تعالى المعقد الثالث عشر بذل الجهد في تحفظ العلم والمذاكرة به والسؤال عنه. The author here goes into the concept of um, three fundamentals. شيخ صالح بن عبد الله بن حمد العصيمي mentions three أصول, three foundations that a student of knowledge needs. The first one is تحفظ العلم. Memorizing knowledge. Tahafud al ilmi, memorizing knowledge. The second thing he mentions is Mudakaratuhu revising it. Revision. What does mudakara mean? Mudarasatuhu ma'al akrani. Studying it with your peers. Within the students, there's somebody who probably understands a matter more than you. So what do you do? You revise with that person. And the scholars they say Knowledge is between the students And number three is Asking about it And Making sure you understand Asking the people who know And finding out the answer for that question So here these are the three things That the author is going to clarify here by Ithnillahi al Karim. Naam. If Telaki Anish Yukila Yamfarubila Hafdilla, Omuzakaratim Bihi was Alin Anhu Fahaula, it to Hakiko Filkafi Kalbitali will Ilmitaudima who become a little Tifati Ilahi will Stiralibi, Felhithu Halwatun bin Nefsi will Muzakara to Julusun Ilal Karin, was Sualu Ikbalun Alal Alim, Fabil Hifdi Yukarra Ilmu Filkalb. The Sheikh says, Rahimahullah, Ta'ala, one of the beneficial things in understanding knowledge and the knowledge becoming rooted in your heart, it is hifd, memorization. If you memorize something, you understand it. And it becomes well understood. Naam. فبال حفظ يقرر العلم يقرر العلم في القلب وينبغي أن يكون جل همة طالب مصروفا إلى الحفظ والإعادة كما يقول ابن الجوزي في صيد خاطره ولم يزل العلماء الأعلام يحضون على الحفظ ويأمرون به. الإمام ابن الجوزي هذا كتاب صيد الخاطر. This كتاب صيد الخاطر was a book he wrote about the benefits that came to his mind. What is called Sayyid al Khatir. Ibn, Ibn Jawzi wrote it. Rahimahullah ta'ala. And in this book he said that the scholars 
they used to urge and they used to uh, tell their students to memorize and they would even command them to memorize and then the person who tells you you don't need to memorize alhamdulillah everything is documented all you need to know, all you need to come with is understanding has deceived you have to memorize memorization is what it's the second portion or one half of knowledge or it's one half of knowledge what is the other half al-fahmu knowledge is al-hifz wa al-fahmu together huma siyani both of them are together al-hifz so the scholars, they wouldn't deceive the student. And they'll say to the student, memorize now. He said the most beneficial knowledge I found. Ubaidullah ibn al-Hasan said, The knowledge that was the most beneficial for me. What does he mean the most beneficial? He means, أَسْرَعُ حُضُورًا فِي النَّفْعِ Whenever I needed it, I needed to depend on it. The best one was the one I memorized. Ma wa'aytu biqalbi that which I, the knowledge I had in my chest was the most beneficial. Because whenever I needed, I could bring it out. And wa luktu bilisani, ay wa harraktu bihi lisani. Wa luktu means what? And I read it with my tongue. The one I revised was the best knowledge for me, he says. وسمعت شيخنا ابن عثيمين يقول حفظنا قليلا وقرأنا كثيرا فانتفعنا بما حفظنا أكثر من انتفاعنا بما قرأنا The Sheikh says Sheikh Salah ibn Abdullah ibn Hamad al-Usaymi says I heard my Sheikh Sheikh Muhammad ibn Salah al-Uthaymin I heard him say We memorized little حفظنا قليلا We memorized little وقرأنا كثيرا But we read a lot فانتفعنا We benefited more that which we memorized than that which we had read which one was more beneficial for us he said that which we memorized than that which we read that's the important thing you need to know it's what you memorize that's going to benefit you most not what you read the author brings the statement of who Khalil ibn Ahmed al-Farahidi Khalil ibn Ahmed al-Farahidi Sheikh Sheikh Sibawi Sibawi's teacher Khalil ibn Ahmed al-Farahidi said Laysa al-ilmu ma hawahu al-qimitru Knowledge is not That which is in The scrolls The books That's not knowledge That's not yours It's everyone's What's in the books We all share We all own it No one has Writes over anyone else. Real knowledge is what's in your chest. That is uniquely yours. Barakallah feek. Are we all together? The knowledge you truly own is the one that is, that is in your chest. The scholars, they used to say, your knowledge is the one you can go to the toilet with. What does that mean? It means it's the, the time you don't take no papers, nothing with you, you go to the toilet. That's your knowledge. That is truly what you know. 
والمتلمس للعلم لا يستغني عن الحفظ ولا يجمل به أن يخلي نفسه منه وإذا قدر على ما كان يصنع ابن الفرات فليأخذ به ابن الفرات ابن الفرات فليأخذ به فقد كان لا يترك كل يوم إذا أصبح أن يحفظ شيئا وإن قل ومن عقل هذا المعنى لم يزل من الحفظ في ازدياد فلا يقطع عنه حتى الموت كما اتفق ذلك لابن مالك صاحب الألفية النحوية فإنه حفظ في يوم موته خمسة شواهد Ibn Furat rahimahullah ta'ala and other great scholars like that, what they used to do is every single day they would memorize something, even if it's little. You don't have to memorize a lot. Memorize one ayah, two ayahs, one hadith, two hadith, every two days, every three days. It's not a race. Are we all together? You will finally get somewhere. Brothers, is it hard to just memorize an ayah a day? I'm sure... What you're doing, and if you were to memorize an ayah a day, an ayah a day, you'd probably be halfway in the Qur'an now or somewhere. Or you probably would reach a far place in the Qur'an. Just an ayah. It's, it's really about quantity. It's really about, sorry, quality and consistency, not quantity. It's about consistency and continuation. It's not about how much you take on. Walidalika, the problem that many of us suffer from is that we either believe that we have to do a juz or two pages, three pages, or leave it. That's a problem. If you think you have to do a lot or nothing, who said that? Who were you racing with? Who gave you a deadline for having to finish the Quran at a particular time? You don't have to. But make sure every day that goes by you've memorized something. Something has you stopped. Whether it even be a name of an alim And when he was born and died Every day that goes by Memorize something Especially the Quran The Quran is a must A person should memorize the book of Allah And Al-Fiyat ibn Malik is a thousand lines In poetry This kitab Al-Fiyat ibn Malik by the way it, it's, it's called Khulasa The kitab is It's called what? It's called Khulasa Khulasa, khulasa means what? What is that summary from? It's from a summary from a kitab he wrote. He says at the ending of his alfiyah, Ahsa min al, uh, he said, Ahsa min al-kafiyyati al-khulasa. I made this book a summary from the kitab al-kafiyyati al-shafiyyah. There was a scholar before Ibn Malik called Ibn Hajib. Ibn Hajib wrote a kitab in Nahu and a kitab in Sarf. Ibn Malik came, the kitab in Nahu which was, which was called Al-Kafiyah And the kitab which was in Sarf was called Shafiyah Ibn Hajib wrote it uh, Imam Ibn Malikin came He took both of the books And he made it into 2,750 lines Are you with me? He called it Kafiyah too? Al-Shafiyah And then what he did was He realized that the students are not so dedicated to memorize 2,750 So what, he did, what did he do? He summarized it in his in his kitab Al-Khulasa, which is now known as, known as what? It's now known as Al-Fiyyatul Malik. That's why he said at the ending, Ahsa min al-Kafiyyati. I have Ahsa min al-Khulasa, Ahsa min al-Kafiyyatul Khulasa. I summarized everything that was in the Kafiyyah in my kitab Al-Khulasa. It's one of the best books in grammar, if not the best. Scholars used to memorize it. He used to urge students to memorize it. Ibn al-Wardi, rahimahullah ta'ala, he memorized it in three days. Rahimahullah ta'ala Jalaluddin al-Suyuti memorized this book 
So great scholars have memorized it. Naam. رواه مسلم من حديث مالك بنه نحوه قال ابن عبد البر في كتاب التمهيد عند هذا الحديث وإذا كان القرآن الميسر للذكر كالإبل المعقلة من تعاهدها أمسكها فكيف بسائر العلوم وكان الزهري يقول إنما يذهب العلم النسيان وترك المذاكرة وبالسؤال عن العلم تفتتح خزائنه The author رحمه الله تعالى mentioned something very important which is the things that if you want to memorize the Qur'an, you need to use. You want to memorize something? Two things you need to use. The first one is your eyes. What does it mean, eyes? Look at what you're memorizing. Write it somewhere, or if it's written somewhere, look at it. If you're memorizing the Qur'an, look at it. Looking helps you. Those who memorize the Qur'an know, when, you're, when you memorize the Qur'an, you... In your head, you can see the Mus'haf being turned over when the next page is about to start. And you memorize from the Mus'haf. You know the ayats, which part of the Mus'haf it starts on. And when it comes to that memorization, you should always have that same copy and never change it. Somebody's memorizing the Mus'haf one day, another Mus'haf another day, don't do that. Tashattut will happen to you. Use the same Mus'haf from the beginning of the Qur'an till the end. Not similar. Mus'haf. The same Mus'haf. Try to keep that same Mus'haf. Number two is Al-Udun. What does Al-Udun here mean? Ears. It means that you read it loudly. When you're at home and you're by yourself in a room, try to read loud. Some people, you see them memorizing and you know what they're doing. What are you memorizing? If you really want to memorize the relationship between what you're saying and what is going into your ears is very important. You can hear your own voice and it's going to help you. There are two things that prevent a person memorizing. That actually become an obstacle for memorizing. The first one is leaving off. So two things aid you in memorizing and two things actually strip you from memorizing. What do they do? It's actually stripping you from memorizing. What is it? The first thing is Training your heart To take every day more The heart is like your stomach The more you eat, the more it demands for Are we all together brothers? That's the same as the, the, the heart and the brain The more you push it And the more you train it The more you start The same is with the body Today if you go to the gym And you pick up weights Tomorrow you're going to go up and up and up The brain is exactly the same If you stop memorizing Your brain cannot memorize anything If you start forcing your brain to memorize It will start memorizing a lot And you'll see The second obstacle That prevents a person from memorizing is When the person sees the path to be long Feeling Al-Fiyat ibn Malik a thousand lines of poetry 
that the Quran, 6,200 and something verses, I have to memorize it all and keep it in my heart. Allah, that's long. Istitalatul tariq. When you see something to be long and it's like, I can't do that. You're not going to learn. You're not going to memorize. وَلِذَلِكَ الْعَلَّامَةُ بْنُ الْقَيْمِ He said in his kitab, بَدَاعِ الْفَوَائِدِ مَنْ إِسْتَطَالَ الطَّرِيقُ Anybody, مَنْ إِسْتَطَالَ الطَّرِيقَ Anyone who sees the path to be long, and say, this, the, the road is long. What happens to him? ضَعُفَ مَشْيُهُ Your walking becomes weak. ضَعُفَ مَشْيُهُ Your walking becomes what? And you see, subhanAllah, those who um, train, those who do training, know that that last time moment when you're going to pick up the weight, psychological. If you, somebody says to you, you can do it, you can, what happens? Huh? And encourages you and makes you believe, you, you throw the bar. You, you'll do it. Like, and if that, in your heart, you just one time say to yourself, I can't do it, the bar becomes the most heaviest thing ala wajil ardi. Sahih? So it's not seeing the path to be long. Naam. Now the author goes into the, he spoke about revision and he spoke about memorization. Now he's going to go into the asking of questions. إنما هذا العلم خزائن وتفتتح المسألة وحسن المسألة نصف العلم والسؤالات المصنفة كمسائل أحمد المروية عنه برهان جلي على عظيم منفعة السؤال وقلة الإقبال على العالم بالسؤال إذا ورد على بلد تكشف مبلغها العلم في مبلغ العلم فيه فهذا سفيان الثوري يقدم عسكل أسقلا فيمكث ثلاثا لا يسأله إنسان عن شيء فيقول لرواد بن الجراح عهد أصحابه اكتر لي أخرج من هذا البلد هذا بلد يموت فيه العلم فمن لقي شيخا فليغتنم لقاءه بالسؤال عما يشكل عليه ويحتاج إليه لا سؤال سؤال متعنت ممتحن وهذه المعاني الثلاثة للعلم بمنزلة الغرس للشجر وسقيه وتنميته بما يحفظ بما يحفظ قوته ويدفع ويدفع آفته فلحفظ غرس غرس العلم والمذاكرة سقيه والسؤال عنه تنميته. He mentioned asking question is half of knowledge. A good question is half knowledge. It's half of knowledge. The Prophet ﷺ, what did he say to the man, to the companions that gave a wrong fatwa to the man who died? He was wounded and he asked them if they can find him out. If he can find them ruksa. He said, can you find me ruksa? And they said to him, la najidu laka ruksa. We can't find any ruksa for you. Use the water. He wanted to do tayammum. They said, you can't do tayammum. There's water there. Use the water. And then he went and he used the water and he died from it. What did the Prophet ﷺ, he said, say? He said, Allah. They killed him. May Allah kill them. Why didn't they ask if they didn't know? The cure to ignorance is what? Asking. And Allah says in the Quran, فَاسْأَلُوا so, and the author then mentioned a story of Sufyan al-Thawriyu. Sufyan al-Thawriyu came to a land called Asqalan, where Ibn Hajar al-Asqalan is from. He went to that place, he stayed there for three days. 
and no one came and asked him questions. No one asked Sufyan al-Thawri any questions. So he said to one of his students, Ruwad ibn Jarrah, he said to him, stand up, let's go, let's go, let's go. This land is a place where knowledge will die. Take us out of this place, it's a destroyed place. Let's leave this place. And no one's coming, no one's asking questions. This is where knowledge should be sought. The author then concluded by saying, and this is powerful for one to memorize, Al-Hifdhu Gharsul Ilmi. Sorry, Al-Hifdhu Gharsul Ilmi. Memorization is the planting of the seed. Wal-Mudakaratu. And revising is what? Saqyuhu, watering it. Wal-Su'alu Anhu, Tanmiyatuhu. And asking questions is nurturing it, making sure no other thing harms it. Are we all together? That is what? That is knowledge. Powerful point. Al-Hifdhu Gharsul Ilmi. The memorization is planting the knowledge into your brain and into your system. Wal-Mudakaratu Saqyu. And revising is what? It's like watering it. By revising, you're watering it. You're nurturing it. And also, Wal-Su'alu Anu Tanmiyatuhu. Asking about it is protecting it from any, any, any problems or anything. نعم. الماقد الرابع عشر إكرام أهل العلم وتوقيرهم إن فضل العلماء عظيم ومنصبهم منصب جليل لأن. The author now goes into the the إكرام أهل العلم وتوقيرهم. Yeah, honoring the people of knowledge and respecting them, the people of knowledge. نعم. إن فضل العلماء عظيم ومنصبهم منصب جليل لأنهم آباء الروح فالشيخ أب للروح كما أن الوالد أب للجسد في قراءة أبي بن كعب رضي الله عنه We all have two fathers The first father that we have is the father of our bodies The one who through him Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made us That's our actual father, our biological father He's the father of the body And there's the father of your soul the one who nurtures your soul, takes care of your soul, and that's the scholar. وفي قراءة أبي بن كعب رضي الله عنه النبي أولى بالمؤمنين من أنفسهم وهو أب لهم والأبوة المذكورة في هذه القراءة ليست أبوة النسب إجماعا وإنما هي الأبوة الدينية الروحية فالاعتراف بفضل المعلمين حق واجب. Here the author mentions that there is a recitation of the Quran that Ubayy ibn Kaab used to read. Which is an Nabiu Aula Bil Mu'minina Min Anfusihim Wahua Abu Lahum and he's a father for them. The Prophet. How is he a father for them? The father here means the father of their soul. He's the one who nurtures their soul and allows them to grow. Just like the father nurtures you physically and takes care of you physically. And because of your father you became what you became, the scholar also nurtures your what? Your religion and your soul. He then says, فَلِعْتِرَافُ To recognize the virtue of your teacher, it's obligation that he has on you. The teacher, wherever he benefits you, you, you respect him for what he taught you. And you don't take that away from him. The poet, he said, إِذَا أَفَادَكَ إِنسَانٌ بِفَائِدَةٍ مِنَ الْعُلُومِ فَأَكْثِرْ شُكْرَهُ أَبَدًا وَقُلْ فُلَانٌ جَزَاهُ اللَّهُ صَالِحَةً أَفَادَنِيهَا وَأَلْقِ الْكِبْرَ وَالْحَسَدًا If a person benefits you something, and he teaches you بِفَائِدَةٍ مِنَ الْعُلُومِ Some of the sciences he teaches you. And you learn from him. فَأَكْثِرْ شُكْرَهُ أَبَدًا 
increase in showing gratitude. Every time you see him, Jazakallah khairan for what you taught me. فَأَكْتِلْ شُكْرَهُ أَبَدًا وَقُلْ أَنْ سَيْ فُلَانٌ جَزَاهُ اللَّهُ صَالِحَةً So and so, may Allah reward him with good. أَفَادَنِيهَا He benefited me all of this island. وَأَلْقِبْ الْكِبْرَ وَالْحَسَدَ And get rid of arrogance and jealousy. Don't have that towards your what? Towards the one who taught you. نعم. قال شعبة بن الحجاج كل من سمعت منه حديثا فأنا له عبد شعبة بن الحجاج أبو بسطام العتكي the great scholar of hadith what did he say كل من سمعت منه everyone I hear a hadith from that I benefit from them فأنا عبد له I'm enslaved to him I'm enslaved by that person meaning I will serve them that's what he means I will what I will serve this individual I really take care of him because what has he done he has benefited me a hadith of the hadith of the messenger alayhi salatu salam walidhalika do you know what the scholar is saying the prophet sallallahu alayhi salam does he not have rights upon us does the prophet not have rights upon us that we respect him are we all together the same scholars they say ibn al-qayy mentions in the kitab mishtahu dar sa'ada he mentions it that the rights that the prophet sallallahu alayhi salam has on the believers some of those rights move on to the scholars some of those rights, they move on to the scholar and the person of knowledge. You, you, those rights go to him. Like respecting him, and venerating him and honoring him. Some people, they get prevented from knowledge because of the way that they carry themselves with their teacher. Now. واستنبط هذا المعنى من القرآن محمد بن علي الأدفوي فقال إذا تعلم الإنسان من العالم واستفاد منه الفوائد فهو له عبد قال تعالى محمد بن علي الأدفوي رحمه الله said the same علي الأدفوي he said the same thing if a person learns from a scholar and he benefits a benefit he's a slave to him and then he brought an evidence for this قال تعالى وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى لِفَتَاهِ وَهُوَ يُوشَعَ بْنُ نُونَ وَلَمْ يَكُنْ مَمْلُوكًا لَهُ وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ مُتَلْمِذًا لَهُ مُتَّبِعًا لَهُ فَجَعَلَهُ اللَّهُ فَتَاهُ لِذَلِكَ What did Allah say about Nabi Allah? Musa alayhi salam Who was with him when he went to go to Khadir? Yusha ibn Nun was with him, right? Yusha becomes a prophet later. Allah says in the ayah وَإِذْ قَالَ مُوسَى When Musa said لِفَتَاهُ to his slave boy Fatah means what? Slave boy. Yusha ibn Nun was not a slave to Musa. But because he was his sheikh and his teacher and the person he was taking knowledge from, Allah referred to Yusha ibn Nun as what? As a slave for Nabilahi Musa. Naam. وَقَدْ أَمَرَ الشَّرْعُ بِرِعَيَةِ حَقِّ الْعُلَمَاءِ إِكْرَامًا لَهُمْ وَتَوْقِيرًا وَإِعْزَازًا قال أحمد في مسند في المسند حدثنا هارون قال حدثنا هارون قال حدثنا ابن وهب قال حدثني مالك بن الخير الزيادي عن أبي قبيل المعافري عن عن عبادة بن الصامت رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال ليس من أمتي من لم يجل كبيرنا ويرحم صغيرنا ويعرف لعلمائنا حقه لعالمنا حقه أمسك ابن عباس رضي الله صلى الله عليه وسلم he said عبادة بن الصامت رضي الله عنه he said I heard the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم say ليس من أمتي he's not from my ummah من لم يجل كبيرنا the one who doesn't respect the elders not from amongst us ويرحم صغيرنا and does not show mercy to the young one ويعرف لعالمنا حقه and doesn't know the rights of the scholar 
Here the ummah that's been spoken about is ummatul ijaba. The ummah is two types. Ummatul da'wah and ummatul ijaba. This person doesn't respect the elders, he doesn't respect the young, he doesn't respect the scholars. The Prophet said he's not from my ummah. That's a very scary word of the Prophet. It scares a person that you respect a person. The Prophet went a step further and do you know what he said? He said, Inna min ikramillahi. One of the ways to honor Allah. Everyone here wants to honor Allah, right? One of the ways to honor Allah is to honor who? It is a shaybu. Inna min ikramillahi ikrami. The shaybatil Muslim. The Muslim who is old, his beard has become white. Who is old, honoring him is honoring Allah Azza Honoring him is honoring Allah Azza Wow. When you see a person who is older than you in age and senior than you, if you don't honoring, if you don't not, if you're not honoring them, you're not honoring Allah Azza Very powerful statement from the Prophet Also in the hadith, he mentions from the three is Hamilul Quran, It's the one who's carrying the Quran. The person who's carrying the Quran, who'd memorized the Quran, honoring him is honoring Allah Azza wa This person, he finished the Quran, he memorized it. He doesn't go overboard with the Quran. He's not, he's not, he's not laxidaisical. He's not coming with the two forms of extremism. Extremism in neg- negation, uh, neg- negligence, sorry. And extremism in exaggeration. He's a person who's holding onto the Quran. Finish the Quran. Respecting that person is respecting Allah Azza wa أمسك ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما يوما بركاب زيد بن ثابت رضي الله عنه فقال زيد أتمسك لي وأنت ابن عم رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال ابن عباس إن هكذا نصنع بعلمائنا عبد الله بن عباس رضي الله عنه one day he grabbed the the rein of who the horse of زيد بن ثابت another companion and was holding on to it, meaning he, he was taking him where he wanted. And then he said to him, Atamsikuli, are you gonna hold on to it? Meaning he's higher than him and he's holding, he's like, Are you gonna do this for me and you're the Prophet's cousin? Abdullah ibn Abbas, are you gonna hold it and you're the Prophet's cousin? And then he said to him, Inna hakana nasna'u bil ulama. That's how we treat the scholars. How we treat the scholars and people of knowledge. ونقل ابن حزم الاجماع على توقير العلماء واكرامهم ابن حزم he brought a consent that you have to respect and honor the ahlul ilm the people of knowledge والبصير باحوال والبصير بالاحوال السلفيه يقف على حميد احوالهم في توقير علمائهم فقد كان اصحاب النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم اذا جلسوا اليه كانما على رؤوسهم الطير لا يتحركون and their situation, you will realize how they were when they sat in front of the Prophet You all know the famous ahadith that are transmitted. They would sit in front of the Prophet It was like a bird was on their head. What does it mean like there was a bird on their head? They wouldn't be moving around. They were so tranquil, calm. The Shaykh is going to be so many examples of the Salaf. Some of the Abdurrahman bin Mahdi, it was said that in his gathering it was so quiet that if a person broke a pen, it could be had. 
quiet, no one will talk, no movement, no nothing. It was a gathering of respect. It was tranquility. The gathering of the Imam Salaf. And he'll bring examples, we're going to go through them. وقال محمد بن سيرين رأيت عبد الرحمن بن أبي ليلى وأصحابه يعظمون وأصحابه يعظمونه ويسودونه ويشرفونه بمثل الأمير. محمد بن سيرين said I saw عبد الرحمن بن أبي ليلى and his students they were venerating and they were respecting him like a leader like he was the leader of the country the respect that they were showing him. نعم. وقال يحيى الموصلي رأيت مالك بن أنس غير مرة وكان بأصحابه من العظام له والتوقير له وإذا رفع أحد صوته حصاحوا به. الإمام يحيى الموصلي he said I saw Imam Malik his students they were all respecting him when they were talking and walking with him that if someone made a loud sound they would say shh don't talk. الإمام Malik was really respected. ولذلك هشام بن عمار when he came to Imam Malik he came and was, his father sent him over to come to Imam Malik and he walked to Imam Malik and he said Imam Malik he was so happy when he saw him he said I want to can I take from you the hadith of your muwatta and then Imam Malik told one of the men go and beat this kid up and he took a stick and he whipped him فجلدوه they whipped him so much he cried and then he came to Imam Malik he said why did you hit me for what did I do wrong and then Imam Malik, when he cried, he said, My father, my father, he sold his garden, the only property that he had. When he sold it, he sent me to you to take knowledge of hadith from you. I have not got a, any money. My dad's waiting for me to come back with those knowledge. And then Imam Malik, his heart became soft. And he said, Hey, sit down. And he sat down and he narrated him a hadith. All the whips that was given to him, all of it was hadith. And then Hisham al-Ammarin, he said, Okay, where's the man who's hitting me? Hit me again, and more hadith. So this hadith, this shows you, Walidalika, do you know what the scholars, they said? And Imam Malik was respected so much that the respect moved from him to his muatta, his book. The respect moved to his what? To his muatta, the respect that they used to give to him. Walidalika, there's a story this author him here, 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 Sheikh Saleh ibn Abdullah ibn Hamid al-Usaymi, the author who wrote this, he wrote this book. One of his durus, he, he had somebody put, somebody's mobile phone rang. You can go on YouTube, you can listen to it, it's on YouTube. Somebody's phone rang. The Sheikh, he ignored it. He rang again, he ignored it. He rang again, he ignored it. Three times, right? Or something like that. He ignored it a couple of times. Then the Sheikh took his book, papers and he left. And he walked away. And he did not carry on the cross. Why? Venerating and respecting knowledge. This is the deen of Allah Azza wa Jal. Are you with me? The same, the Mufti of Saudi Arabia before Abd Aziz Nubaz. He did the same. Shaykh Muhammad Ibrahim al Shaykh. Any gathering, if a person spread his legs out, he'll walk out. He'll just leave. And he'll say, This is not a gathering, they want to seek knowledge. And that's what the Salaf used to do. Before anything else, every single person who was taking knowledge from them had to have a way to carry themselves. This is not for the shaykh necessarily. It's for the knowledge. It's the ilm. Because the book is about what? Glorifying knowledge. If you can't start by the way you sit, the way you talk, the way you walk, the way you act, do you really deserve knowledge? And one of the things that humiliated knowledge was when people tolerated that. And when that got tolerated, it humiliated knowledge 
and it made the deen of Allah Azza wa Jalla what? It made it, it made it be, not be seen with respect anymore. Now. فمن الأدب اللازم للشيخ على المتعلم مما يدخل تحت هذا الأصل التواضع التواضع له والإقبال عليه وعدم الالتفات عنه ومراعاة أدب الحديث معه. تواضع with the sheikh. How do you expect the teacher? Humble yourself. One of the ways to humble yourself is when you're asking a question. Don't say, Sheikh, you got this wrong or this is what you said. That's su'ul adab with your teacher. Or you were wrong. I need to correct you on this issue. Don't say that. Say, I may have misunderstood. You need to tell the teacher if he did something wrong. But say it with manners, tawaduh. Say, maybe I misunderstood you. Uh, maybe it was my misunderstanding. Maybe I'm wrong. And he was like, oh, Jazakallah, you're right. Subhanallah, I did that mistake. Jazakallah khairan. Are you with me? Because if you say, Sheikh, you are wrong, how do you know that he's using another narration? Your knowledge is little. His knowledge is vast. Maybe he picked another hadith. Maybe he picked something else. So to know yourself, you ask him بتواضعين, with adab, with manners. One of the manners the Sheikh mentions is وَعَدَمُ الْإِلْتِفَاتِ عَنْهُ When you're talking to, when you're in the class and you're listening, don't turn away and go somewhere, look at other places. Look at him, focus on him. وَمُرَعَاتِ الْأَدَبِ الْحَدِيثِ مَعَهُ What every letter that comes out of your mouth when you're talking to him. Naam. وَإِذَا حَدَّثَ عَنْهُ عَظَّمَهُ مِنْ غَيْرِ غُلُوبِ And when you respect him, you respect him, but you don't go overboard. The respect, you don't go overboard. Naam. بَلْ يُنْزِلُهُ, منز... بل ينزله منزلته. Because sometimes if you go overboard in praising the Sheikh, he might get angry. Especially if it's a man of good aqidah. He doesn't want you to go overboard and, and go extreme in his praise. And that would be something he will fall under su'ul adab as well. Going overboard in praising someone. And praising him for his teaching and his educating, he said. And you make dua for him. When he can see you and when you're not. Making dua for him. Don't show that you're, you're, you don't need him. Don't say to your teacher, oh, well, I, I can go other lessons if I want. If I want. Don't show that you are rich and you don't need him. No. You don't harm him in speech or action. Make sure that when you want to bring his mistake to him, you do it in a very soft manner. The author is going to mention six things when a sheikh falls into a mistake. Pay attention. Every one of you try writing this down and memorize it. These are vital, six from the Kitab and the Sunnah. These are six things that you need when a sheikh or a teacher or someone you learn from does a mistake that you should deal with it. Six ways. Uh, what's the first one? First of all, verify that this is a mistake. Verify that he fell into a mistake. First, make sure that what happened and what took place from him is a what? Is a mistake. How do you verify? Two ways. The verification is if he said it. That's the first one. You verify that the mistake occurred from him. You say, Shaykh, you know, I heard this 
like we heard from Sharh al-Sunnah al-Imam al-Muzani. Some people accuse al-Imam muzani of something, his aqidah, what did they do? They sent a letter to him to find out if it's true, if he believes that. Uh, give the person the chance to explain it to you. He might say, Wallahi, I never ever said that. Who said that? He said this. Inna lillahi wa inna ila raju. I didn't say that. Walidhalika isha'atul firya. Spreading false allegations against people is very easy. Especially at this time with social media and everything. If you're a sadiq, you're a truthful person, you will call the person and you ask them. That's a great characteristic. Walidhalika, the messenger used to verify things. He saw a rope in the masjid. It was tied between two, two, two pillars. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Mali hadi al-hab. Whose rope is this? Qila inna hadi Zainaba. It's by your wife put this rope here. Your wife, Zainaba bint Jahsh. She's the one who put this rope on the, on the two pillars. He said, okay. What did she do with it? They said, Ya Rasulullah, she prays, she prays, she prays, she prays. When her legs cannot carry her anymore, she takes that rope and she holds onto it and her legs are not on the floor anymore. And she still wants to pray. The ibadah of Zainab bint Jahsh. The Prophet ﷺ, and now he verified that this is what she does. Now he's going to give the warning. He said, Hulluhu, take it down. And he said, وسلم, let one of you pray in accordance to his ability. The religion doesn't want you to go like this to yourself. Are you with me? When the three men, one said, I'm not going to marry in my entire life. And the other one said, uh, I'm, I'm going to pray all night, I'm not going to sleep. And the other one, he said, I'm never going to eat. I'm going to fast for the rest of my life. The Prophet verified. Are you the ones who said this, this, and this, this? When they said, yes, 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 they admitted. He stood up, والسلام, he didn't say their names. He made it into general ruling. He said, فَمَا بَالُ أَقْوَامٍ He wants everybody to learn from this lesson. But he didn't name them. He said, what is the situation of a people who say this and this and this? <laughs> Are you with me, brothers? So verify that the person said this, first of all. Don't beat, as they say, a dead horse. Something that's not there and it didn't exist and it never came into place. Stop talking about it. It never even happened, Aslan. Number two. <laughs> Make sure that this thing is a mistake. Once you realize that he said it, now go out of your way to verify that it's actually a mistake in the Sharia. It might even be opinion of the scholars, another opinion that you didn't know. Are you with me, brothers? It might even have evidence. Verify that this thing is a what? It's a mistake in the Sharia. Now, the says, This is where the issue comes into. Who's able to correct the mistake of the people is a person of knowledge. Because he knows what's right and what's wrong. He has isti'ab, he has understanding, he knows the evidences. Because you might be saying to somebody, oh, why did he say that for? And there might even be a hadith, naqil anil nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from the messenger. Three. Don't follow the shaykh in this mistake. One of the ways to respect him is to not follow him in the mistake. Are you with me, brothers? So number three is what? You don't follow him in the, in the mistake. And when you don't follow him in it, you give him excuse. If he's what? If he's a scholar. You say, maybe the evidence I have, he hasn't, hasn't reached him. Or, you know, may Allah forgive this sheikh because he's passed away, for example, you never, you never met him. One of the ways to respect the sheikh is what? Is to follow the what? I was listening to Sheikh Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala. He's on his deathbed. Deathbed, Sheikh Nasir, rahimahullah ta'ala. And some of the students are discussing with him hadiths and narrations. 
And one of the students says to him, Sheikh, you authenticated this hadith, and I see that it's not authentic, it's weak. And Sheikh Albani, he smiled, he said, Alhamdulillah, my students don't blindfold me. He loved the people to follow the truth. Because that's what he was fighting for all of his life. That's what he was working towards. Making people learn the science and use it. Because he himself was correcting the scholars who came before him. Are you with me, brothers? So you're not, you're not, it's not respect for the shaykh if you follow him in the mistake. You're not respecting him. So what was the first one? Make sure that he said it. Number two is what? Verify that this is a what? It is a mistake. The poet said, Sometimes there's no mistake here. It's just your misunderstanding. And number three is what? Don't follow the shaykh in it. Number four. Look at if this issue has a valid interpretation. Underline that word. It has a valid interpretation. It has a has a valid interpretation, then give him excuse. But if he comes with something that doesn't have no valid interpretation, this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about it has ta'wilun sa'ir. It's got a valid interpretation. What do we do here? If it's if it has a valid interpretation, we give excuse to him. Even that though we think he went wrong, we still give him a what? We still give him an excuse. We excuse him for it. Why? Because he's a person of knowledge. And the Prophet told us, If the scholar, he gives a verdict, and he gets it right, how many rewards does he get? Two. Why two? The first one is because of his effort. And the second one, he got the truth right. He came with the truth. But what about if he gets it wrong, the scholar? The Prophet said, If he does a mistake, فَلَهُ why? What's that one reward for? His efforts and his hard work and the research that he did. So the scholar, even when he gets it wrong, he gets a what? He gets a reward. So he's between either two reward or what? One reward. That's why we give him excuse. He's going to get a reward for, it, for this. Like in pay attention. The messenger called the one who did what? The one who did one, who came with one, one reward. What did he say that he did? A mistake. Two opinions, both of them cannot be right. This is a false belief. That both parties are right. No, both parties are not right. One is right and one is wrong. Like in both of them are going to get rewarded. One is two and one is? One is one. Five. والخامس بذل النصح له بلطف وسر لا بعنف وتشهير You advise him with what? The Sheikh mentioned two things. When you're advising that teacher, what do you do? Number one, you do lutf. Lutf means what? Gently. Shaykhi, may Allah honor you. May Allah grant you Jannatul Firdaus. May Allah bestow, bestow His never-ending mercy onto you. You know, you've worked hard for giving da'wah and this khayr that you've been calling to. Shaykh, I, 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 the other day I heard this and it really hurt me. I love you for the sake of Allah. Lutf. Because what do you want? You want to correct a mistake. That's what if you want. And then what do you do? You do it wasirrin privately. Second thing is you do it privately. Now you and your brothers, you don't make a Twitter status and you make it public. What do you do? You make it private. Speak to the person. If the mistake is still going on after you spoke about it and it keeps recurring, that's qadiyah akhar. That's a what? 
it's another, it's another total issue. Like in the first time you do bilutfin wa sidhin, privately and gently. Do not do it with hard statements, wa tashirin, and to expose him. You're, too, you're speaking hard. Fir'aun, what was he? What did he claim? He said, he said, I am the Supreme Lord. What did Allah say to Nabila Musa and Harun when they go to Fir'aun to do? Allah said, فَقُولَ لَهُ قَوْلًا لَيِّنًا لَيِّنًا means speak to him softly. لَعَلَّهُ يَتَذَكَرَهُ oh, He may come to his senses. He may take the truth. Sahih. The scholars, you know what they say? The person that you're talking to is not worse than Fir'aun. And you are not better than Nabila Musa. You, advisor, are not better than Nabila Musa, so use gentle words. And the one you're talking to is not worse than what? It's not worse than Fir'aun. So make sure when you talk, you speak. Imam al-Shafi'i, he said, anyone who advises me publicly, or speaks to me publicly, and ex- exposes me publicly, Shafi'i said, I don't take it from him. Coming out and making public statements about a person is not called nasiha. It's called what? It's called ta'ir. ولذلك الإمام ابن رجب wrote a kitab called الفرق بين النصيحة والتعيير. The difference between advising and shaming. I think that book should be taught, right? The difference between what it means to advise and what it actually means to shame someone. What is the difference? The difference is the person who is advising you publicly or privately. This is the distinguishing factor. And as soon as they advise you and they walk away from you, no one will know they ever advised you. They'll keep it moving. And they don't talk about these affairs. No. السادس, Number six is, this shaykh is a man who gave all of his life and his effort towards what? Spreading the religion of Allah. Don't drag him on the ground and drag him, humiliate him. حفظ uh, Respect his status Allah gave him subhanahu wa ta'ala and the qadr that this man has. Don't drag him on the ground. Just today, subhanallah, I was reading the hashiyah to al-fishi, rahimahullah. It's called hashiyah al-fishi ala shudur al-dhahab by al-imam, the author of Mughni al-Labib, Ibn Hisham al-Ansari. And I was reading that Ibn Hayyan al-Andulusi, rahimahullah ta'ala, what did he do? Ibn Hayyan al-Andulusi had something towards Al-Imam Ibn Malik, the great grammarian. And so he used to refute him a lot. He refuted his al-fiyya, wa ma'ila dalik. Guess what happened? Al-Imam Malik, Ibn Malik, rahimahullah, never responded to him. Keeping in mind that Ibn Malik is the teacher. And who's the student? Ibn Hayyan is the student. Who is the student? Ibn Hayyan is a student, but he's a great scholar of Nahu. Ibn Hayyan is a great grammarian. But he took from who? Ibn Malik. But he's, he's blaming his teacher and he's rebuking his teacher and he's speaking about his teacher. And his teacher never gave him any attention, never spoke to him, never gave him any. After a while, Al Imam Ibn Hayyan al Andalusi, his student, took after him and just kept mentioning him. Every book he writes, he brings out all the mistakes in it. Everything he says, he mentions the grammatical mistakes that are in it. Are you with me, brothers? So what you do, it's what's going to happen to you. Come out to 
Sudan. Al Jazaa means Jinsil Amal. What you do is what's going to happen to you. ولذلك the Prophet if you follow the mistakes of people and you try to bring out their mistakes and you say let me watch this video and find a mistake on this one and another video let me find the mistake of this person and you do tatabu zalatin nas and every time you collect a group of mistakes of his you put it somewhere and then you make a video on it Remember, Allah is going to bring out your private affairs in the house. You and your family issue. Allah is going to bring it to the public. Allah is going to expose you. So don't do anyone a favor except yourself. Do yourself uh, a favor. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala for break. Subhanakallah. Uh, there's a little bit. Fadl, uh, read it. وَمِمَّا يُحَذَّرُ مِنْهُ مِمَّا يَتَصْلُ بِتَوْقِيرِ الْعُلَمَاءِ مَا صُورَتُهُ تَوْقِيرُ وَمَا آلُهُ الْإِهَانَةُ وَالتَّحْقِيرُ كَالْإِزْدِحَامِ عَلَى الْعَالِمِ وَالتَّضِيِّقِ عَلَيْهِ وَإِلْجَائِهِ إِلَى أَعْسَرِ السُّبُلِ فَمَا مَاتَهُ هُشَيْمُ بْنُ بَشِيرٍ الْوَاسِطِي الْمُحَدِّثُ الثِّقَةِ إلا بهذا فقد ازدحم أصحاب الحديث عليه فطرحوه على حماره فكان سبب موته. Now one last thing that the Sheikh mentioned here, one last point that he mentioned was that when you see the teacher don't squeeze him on the road, he said. And get in his way. And push him sometimes to the extent where the sheikh falls down or he's, you squeeze him on a tight road or you don't intend to do anything bad. You just want to ask a question or whatnot. But it might put him in a position of... Um, it might put him in a position of... He's not comfortable. The sheikh said, prevent that inshallah ta'ala. By the way, this is talking about the ulama. I'm not. I'm one of your. I'm one of your brothers. You can do what you want with me, inshallah ta'ala. Here we're talking about the scholars, the ahlul ilm, the people of, people of knowledge. The, the book is talking about ulama, not baby students of knowledge like me, inshallah ta'ala. Barakallah fiqum. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Lahu alhamdul hasan. Wa thanaul jamil. Wa shadu an la ilaha illa Allah wahdahu la sharika lah. يقول الحق وهو يهدي السبيل وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن شرح and we're going to start the شرح the explanation of the كتاب الأربعين في مباني الإسلام وقواعد الأحكام that is what the book is called Forty hadiths in the pillars of Islam and the foundations of the religion, which is well known as Al Arba'in and Nawawiyah, written by Yahya ibn Sharaf ibn Murri and Nawawi, Rahimahullah, who died the year 676. We're going to take the 42 hadiths written by Imam al-Nawawi with the 8 additional hadiths of Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali which were completed with what? We were completed to 50. So we'll take 50 hadiths and we have two days inshallah ta'ala today and tomorrow. So today inshallah ta'ala we're going to do 25 hadiths and inshallah ta'ala tomorrow we're going to do 25 hadith, inshallah ta'ala. These ahadith 
are comprehensive they are comprehensive and they are very generic and so many issues come under it memorizing this book is vital if you want to memorize the hadith of the Prophet wasallam, this is the book you should start with and you will see that these ahadiths are so relevant to our situation بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحديث الأول عن أمير المؤمنين أبي حفص عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل امرئ ما نواه فمن كانت هجرته إلى الله ورسوله فهجرته إلى الله ورسوله ومن كانت هجرته إلى دنيا يصيبها أو امرأة ينكحها فهجرته إلى ما هاجر إليه رواه إمام المحدثين أبو عبد الله محمد بن إسماعيل بن إبراهيم بن المغيرة ابن بردزبه البخاري والجعفي وأبو الحسين مسلم بن حجاج بن مسلم القشيري والنيسابوري في صحيهما الذين هما أصح الكتب المصنفة. The author رحمه الله he started his book with this hadith which is hadith narrated by عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه that the messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم said إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل امرئ ما نوى This hadith in this wording that Nawawi wrote it it is not found in Bukhari and Muslim in this wording لا في البخاري ولا في المسلم like this but what Nawawi did was he took from Bukhari the same hadith from two different wordings and he mixed them together so each there's not one hadith that is like this so he took a bit from this hadith and a bit from another wording and he added it together all which is narrated from Umar radiallahu anhu because Umar because the wording of Bukhari one is it إنما الأعمال بالنية it is are we all together? يَتَزَوَّجُهَا Here he said يَنْكِحُهَا The other wording is يَتَزَوَّجُهَا Here is يَنْكِحُهَا right? The other one is يَتَزَوَّجُهَا Wording is like that But the meaning is the same Who is the companion who narrated this hadith from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam? Umar Who narrated from Umar? Alqamah Ibn Abi Waqas Al-Layfi Alqamah Al-Qamah ibn Abi Waqas Al-Layti Narrated it from Umar And who narrated it from Al-Qamah? Muhammad ibn Ibrahim Al-Taymi Muhammad Muhammad ibn Ibrahim Al-Taymi Narrated from Al-Qamah ibn Abi Waqas Al-Layti And who narrated from Muhammad ibn Ibrahim Al-Taymi? Yahya ibn Sa'id Al-Ansari Are you with me brothers? And who narrated from Yahya Sa'id al-Ansari? 200 people. Including Abdullah Mubarak, Al-Humaydi, Abdullah ibn Zubair, Abdullah ibn Mahdi, Sufyan ibn Uyayna, Sufyan al-Tawri, Ibn Juraj, Abdul Razak ibn Hamam al-Sanani, 
عدد لا يحصل became too much from here لكن بخاري when he narrated it he said حدثني الحميدي عبد الله بن زبير قال حدثنا محمد بن إبراهيم التيمي قال حدثنا يحيى سعيد الأنصاري عن محمد بن إبراهيم التيمي عن علقمة من أبي وقاص عن علقمة من أبي وقاص الليثي عن عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله تعالى عنه وهو على المنبري تفاش حديث This hadith Bukhari started it with his book. He's Sahih. Also, now we did it here in his forty hadith. Also, he did it in his Kitab Riyadh al-Salihin. He started with this hadith. Four. Abdul Ghani, Abdul Wahid al-Maqdisi in his Kitab Umdatul Ahkam. He started with this hadith. Are we all together, brothers? And many other scholars have done the same. Why? Why did they start with Innam al-Amal al-Binyat? Yes. They were talking to themselves and they're saying that you're authoring a book. You're going to spread knowledge to the people. Have sincerity. He's talking to himself, the author. Innam al-Amal al-Binyat. That every single thing that you do is based on your intention. And the reward that you get is in accordance to the intention. Two sentences. Every action is what, is what you intended from it. That's the first sentence. And your reward will be in accordance to your intention. Does that make sense? So they were talking to themselves. He said, If I was to write a book, لجعلت هذا الحديث في كل باب. I would place إنما العمل بنيات in the beginning of every chapter. Who said that? الإمام الشافعي or either عبد الرحمن المهدي one of the two. Also it was transmitted from either one of the two again. I don't know which one said which. That this hadith enters seventy chapters of fiqh. Hadith is not, it's a very big hadith because it talks about your intention. And in our religion, the intention does it not have a weight, it's a big weight. So look at what you intend. Then the author, Rahimahullah, what does niyyah mean? What does it mean? Iradatul qalbi, the heart wants to get closer to Allah. It's the heart wanting to do something. That's what niyyah means. What does niyyah mean? The heart wanting to do something. That's what it means. When the Prophet ﷺ gave two sentences, إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ وَإِنَّمَا لُكُلِّ مْرِئِ مَا نَوَى When he gave those two sentences, so the people can understand it better, he chose what? He, told, he, told, he chose to give an example. This is one of the methods of teaching. Sahih? The Prophet was the best of teachers, alayhi salatu wasalam. It's to teach people with example, right? He was teaching them by giving them an example that they can understand. So he mentioned an example of two people who migrated. Two people who migrated. One migrated for the sake of who? Allahu Azza wa Jalla. And the other one? For worldly reasons. One gets rewarded and the other one doesn't get rewarded. 
We're on the same flight, me and you, Mathalan. We're going to Mecca. We're leaving Dubai airport. We're on the flight. We booked the ticket at the same time. From the same bank card. From the same airline. On the same airline. On the same row. Next to each other. You get rewarded, I don't get rewarded. How? Aren't we doing the same actions? We're all both going to Mecca. You get rewarded and I don't get, get rewarded. Are we physically not doing the same thing? What's the difference? I have an intention, you have it. My intention is I'm going Mecca to get married. You're going Mecca for what reason? Huh? You're going Mecca to do Umrah or Hajj. You get rewarded, I don't. But we're in the same row, in the same flight, on the same flight. Going and we're going to land at the same time. The difference between me and you and the reward is all in accordance to what? The Prophet told us in another hadith, والسلام, that the person who is sick or the woman who's on her menstruation, she's not able to pray, or the man who can't pray Qiyamul Layl or the other voluntary prayers that he used to pray because he's sick, or he's a, res- he's a traveler, he's traveling. The Prophet he said, he gets the reward of what he used to do when he was Sahih and Muqeem, when he was a resident and when he was healthy. The Qiyamul Layl that he was praying, even that though now he can't pray, and he's sick, or he's a traveler, he can't, he gets the reward for it. And the woman who is on her menses, every good that she used to do, that she can't do now because of her situation. What did the Prophet tell us, She gets the reward for it. Why? She didn't come with the physical action. What did she come with, Lakin? The intention. The Prophet was walking with his companions and he said to them, they will go to the battle of what? Battle of Tabuk. Battle of Tabuk was a battle where the sun was hot to the companions and the heat was so severe, it was burning the companions. And the distance between uh, Medina and Tabuk is 1,400 kilometers. That's a lot. They were walking in the heat, the sun. It was the hottest time of the year. And the Prophet, as he's walking with his companions, he said to them, "Inna fil Madina There are men in Medina. You guys have not cut a distance. You have not gone through a valley. You have not cut a path. Except those people in Medina are with you in Ajr. Illa sharakukum fil Ajr. The companions said, Why, Ya Rasulullah? He said, Habasuhumul Udr. They are excused, they can't. They want you to come. But they were old. Or they wanted to come. But they were sick. They didn't do anything. Their sun is not burning them. Nothing. So where did they get the ajr from? Huh? The Prophet said to the companions, The intimate relationship a man has with his wife, there's an ajr in it. When it comes with the intention. Everything you can get a reward from. The Prophet said in another hadith, حَتَّى مَا تَجْعَلُ فِي فَيِّ مْرَأَتِكَ Even the spoon that you take and you put in the mouth of your wife, huh? you get a reward for it if you come with the intention. Are we all together? Very important. The Prophet ﷺ here, 
And this concept, brothers, of intention and why you do something is very important. Especially at this time. You go to the Kaaba. You go to the house of Allah, the Kaaba. And you see a person, you ask another person, Haki, here's my phone. I'm going to make dua in front of the Kaaba. Record me. And he gets recorded. They're recording him. And he's making dua. And then he goes, he puts it on social media. Sah? Today is the biggest time people need what? Ikhlas and what? Ikhlas and sincerity. It's a point where a person doesn't even have no private affairs anymore. Everything is what? Everything is public. Some of the Salaf, it was transmitted from them that their wives never knew that they used to pray Qiyamul Layl. Some of them were fasting for 40 years and their wives didn't know that they were fasting. She would give them food and they would give it to other people. Their wives who are married to them don't know this. At private affairs. Why did the Prophet choose to make Hijrah as an example for this? He could have spoken about Salah. He could have talked about any other action. Why did he choose to make Hijrah as an example? The reason he chose to do that is because Hijrah was something that the Arabs did not know. It wasn't common amongst the Arabs. Hijrah was a hard thing for them. It's one of the hardest, hardest actions to leave your house, to leave your place of birth. To people are what they are used to, it's hard for them to leave. Hijrah is a hard concept. So the Prophet chose the concept of Hijrah. And the Hijrah is from the land of the disbelievers to the land of the what? the land of the believers that's one type of hijrah the second type of hijrah is hijrah from the sin towards acts of obedience the Prophet he said is the one who migrates from that which Allah prohibited he's a muhajir leaving of sins staying away from that which is haram the third type of hijrah that the kitab and the sunnah mention is Hajru Ahlil Bida, boycotting of the people of innovators. Which we mentioned in Sharh Sunnah, and Imam Muzini mentioned it, right? The leaving and the boycotting and the migrating from the innovators. Those are the three types of hijrah. The hijrah of a land, you're, you're, you're migrating from a what? The land of the non Muslims to the land of the Muslims. Number two, what is it? You're migrating from the Sins towards what? Obedience. And the third one is? You're, you're leaving, not just an innovator, even a fasiq, alcoholic, a, cr- a criminal, boycotting him, leaving him. And going to what? To the righteous people. That is also, it is also a hijrah. Now. عن عمر رضي الله عنه أيضا قال بينما نحن جلوس عند رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم اصطلع علينا رجل شديد بياض الثياب شديد سواد الشعر لا يرى عليه أثر السفر ولا يعرفه منا أحد حتى جلس إلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأسند ركبتيه إلى ركبتيه ووضع كفيه على فخذيه وقال يا محمد أخبرني عن الإسلام فقال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
الإسلام أن تشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله وتقيم الصلاة وتؤتي الزكاة وتصوم رمضان وتحج البيت وتحج البيت إن استطعت إليه سبيلا قال صدقت فعجبنا له أن يسأله ويصدقه قال فعجبنا, فعجبنا له أن يسأله ويصدقه قال فأخبرني عن الإيمان قال أن تؤمن بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله واليوم الآخر وتؤمن بالقدر خيره وشره قال صدقت قال فأخبرني عن الإحسان قال أن تعبد الله كأنك تراه فإن لم تكن تراه فإنه يراك قال فأخبرني عن الساعة قال ما المسؤول عنها بعالم من السائل قال فأخبرني عن أماراتها قال أن تلد الأمة ربدها وأن ترى الحفاة العراة العالة رعاء الشاء يتطاولون في البنيان قال ثم انقلق فلبثت مليا ثم قال يا عمر أتدري من السائل قلت الله ورسوله أعلم قال فإنه جبريل أتاكم يعلمكم دينكم رواه مسلم is a hadith Bukhari did not narrate only Imamu and Imamu Muslim narrated Muslim did narrate this hadith but he narrated uh, sorry Bukhari did narrate this hadith in his sahih in hadith Abu Huraira from Abu Huraira okay and Muslim like he narrated it from where Umar Umar is the second second hadith he narrated in this book this hadith has a story behind it, the way it came about. Many people don't know. Before the hadith was even mentioned. The way that it came about was two noble tabi'een whose name was Yahya ibn Ya'mar. Yahya, Yahya ibn Ya'mar. And Humayd ibn Abdurrahman al Himyari. Humayd. Humayd ibn Abdurrahman al-Himyari They are both what? Tabi'een Yahya ibn Ya'mar And Humayd ibn Abdurrahman al-Himyari Both of them A group called the Qadariyah Came out in Basra Who came out in Basra? A deviated group called the Qadariyah Which believed there's no Qadar There's no such thing as Qadar Allah doesn't know what's happening He only finds out later this was the group. They came out in a place called Basra in Iraq. Yahya ibn Ya'mar and Humayd ibn Abdurrahman and Humayri were in Basra. Where were they in? They were in Basra. So what happened was when this group came out, they spoke to themselves, they spoke to each other, and then they said to each other, I wish we can go and meet one of the companions of the Prophet and tell them what's taking place. This benefits us something which is taking matters back to the scholars. Because Humayd ibn Abdurrahman al-Himyari and Yahya ibn Ya'mar, both of them are scholars. But they knew that there were people who were more greater and higher than them in knowledge. Which were who? Ashabu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I only wish we could meet the companions they said to each other. They said, how about we go to Umrah or Hajj? The narrator was doubtful. Hajina or Mu'tamirin. Was it Hajj or Umrah? He was doubtful. So they went. When they came to the Kaaba, Allah allowed them to meet Abdullah ibn Umar. ibn Umar. Allah gave us the ability to meet Abdullah ibn Umar, they said. When they told, sat with him, they told him, Abdullah ibn Umar, 
a group came out from Basra. This group, they say there's no qadr. And everything just happens. Abdullah ibn Umar, when he was told about this deviated group, he said, ha. Straight away, look what he did. He said, فَأَخْبِرْهُمْ أَنِّي بَرِيءٌ مِّنْهُمْ I am free from them. وَأَنَّهُمْ بُرَعَاءٌ مِّنِّي And that they are free from me. See, he freed himself from the innovators. So I have nothing to do with them and they have nothing. Nothing to do with me. Hayyah. What else? Also tell them that Allah is not going to accept any righteous deeds from them whilst this statement is coming from them. Whilst they are staying this, Allah is not going to what? Allah is not going to accept from them. Allah is not going to accept this from them. When Abdullah ibn Umar said that, he said, I heard my father. I heard my father. Who's his father? He said, I heard my father Umar ibn al-Khattab say, and he told this hadith. And he said this hadith that was just read, which we're going to go through now. This hadith is as follows. Umar radiallahu anhu said, بَيْنَمَا نَحْنُ جُلُوسٌ عِنْدَ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات يوم. We were sitting with the messenger one day. A man came out. This man's clothing was excessively white. We were sitting with the Prophet. A man just comes out from amongst them and he's wearing an excessively white clothes. Clean and white. And his hair was excessively black. Why did he mention this? Because the clothing is not dirty. And at that time, your clothes has to somehow, some stain would have to happen to you. Because the people are not driving cars. That was shocking to them. Second thing that was shocking to them was, His hair was excessively black. Because in the Arab, Arabian Peninsula at that time, it was a, uh, sand. So your hair, your beard, and it become dusty. It's not dusty. You can't tell he's a traveler. No sign of him being a traveler. He's not tired. He's not fatigued. No sign of tiredness. No one from amongst us knows this man. How did Umar know that no one knew him? Because if you know somebody, you always sit with who you know, right? Oh, they will say, ah, how are you doing? Ah, the one who people know you. No one recognizes, everyone's looking at him. Umar realized no one knows him. Another shocking thing is, the man went and he sat with the Prophet. Another shocking thing, he sat with the Prophet. Why is that shocking? Nabi Muhammad, nobody used to recognize him from the people. He was very humble. Narrations have shown that he, sallallahu alayhi wa when he was with his companions, no one could tell who was who. Well, some of the people, when they came, and they gave bay'ah to Abu Bakr. And then when the sun came out, Abu Bakr and some of the companions stood up, and they took their upper garment, and they placed it on top of the Prophet's head to protect the sun from him, burning him. Everybody realized, oh, oh that's the Prophet. Alayhi salatu He was not one who was unique from his companions. Are you with me, brothers? He would sit with them, he would be with them, he was part of, he was part of them, alayhi salatu And that's what Allah allowed him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, to, they accepted him. 
Whatever they went through, he was with them. And this made them respect him, salawatullah and love him. Are you with me, brothers? So he came and he sat next to the Prophet, Hatta jalasa ila nabi So the man recognized the Prophet. What did he do? فَأَسْنَدَ الرُّكْبَتَيْهِ إِلَىٰ رُكْبَتَيْهِ He came close to the Prophet. What did he do? He came so close to the Prophet. This is the manners of the students. The students sit at the back of the class. The Talib Ilm, who is serious, sits right next to the person he's learning from, right under his feet. Jibreel, look what he did. He placed his knees on the Prophet's knees. He touched it. فَأَسْنَدَ رُكْبَتَيْهِ إِلَىٰ رُكْبَتَيْهِ وَوَضَعَ كَفَّيْهِ عَلَىٰ فَخِذَيْهِ Here's the scholars they disputed. Did I tell you who it was? Did I tell you the person who came in? Did I say who? No, did I say it yet? Okay, alhamdulillah. It's meant to be a mystery until the ending. So what he did was he placed his what? He placed his hands... Here the scholars they disputed. فَأَسْنَدَ الرُّكْبَتَيْهِ إِلَىٰ رُكْبَتَيْهِ Okay, that's understood. وَوَضْعَ كَفَّيْهِ عَلَىٰ فَخِدَيْهِ And he placed his hands on his thighs. Whose thighs? His own thighs or the Prophet's thighs? The scholars when they disputed, Sheikh Albani brought out a narration that made the dispute all solved. There's a riwayah and Imam al-Nasai narrated that mentions that he put his hands on who? On the thighs of the Prophet ﷺ. Why? Allahu A'lam. But he put it on the Prophet's thighs. Here's a question. The Arabs used to do that. That when they talked to somebody, they used to touch. It was a sign of respect and it was a sign of... You know the famous the treaty of Hudaybiyah, right? When Urwat ibn Mas'ud ibn Saqafi came and he was a non-Muslim. And he was talking to the Prophet ﷺ. And every time he spoke to the Prophet, he would touch the Prophet's bed. And Mughirat ibn Shu'ba, who was another companion, would be standing on the Prophet's shoulder, standing up. And he was wearing a helmet. And whenever Urwa touched the Prophet's bed, he would take the sword like this and slap it on the hand of the Urwa. He said, don't touch the Prophet's bed. So when he hit his hand, Urwa took his hand back. And he carried talking, and then because this is a cold child, he touched again, he got hit again. And at the end, he said to the Prophet, Who's this man who keeps hitting me? And then they told him, This is Mughira. And he said, Mughira, is it you? Because they, they knew each other before Islam, Jahiliya. He said, You're a deceptive individual. <coughs> so it was a cultural thing to touch a person when you talk to them and touch their beard. Us in the West, you don't touch us. It's a problem if you touch us. Somebody touches your bed, you can say, okay. <laughs> so you have, to, you have to watch the cultures, okay, brothers? So Jibreel, he placed his, he placed his what? He placed his hands on the Prophet thighs. I mean, the man, he placed his hands on the Prophet thighs. And then he said, Ya Muhammad. What did he say? He said, Ya Muhammad. Here's a question the scholars asked. Why did you call him Ya Muhammad? Even Allah never called the Prophet Ya Muhammad in the Quran. Rather, Allah said in the Quran, Don't call the Prophet the way you call each other. Allah never did He say, Ya Muhammad. He said, Ya Rasul, Ya Yuhan Rasul, Ya Yuhan Nabiyu. Never, Ya Muhammad. So, why did this man say, Ya 
Why did he say? Ya Muhammad. The scholars, they say this was before the ayah came down. This was before the... It's before the ayah came down. And that it was prohibited. Shaykh ibn Uthaymin mentions that. Then he said, Ya Muhammad, akhbirni anil Islam. Muhammad, tell me about what? Islam. And then he told him, how many pillars Islam is? How many pillars is Islam? Five pillars. If you do, the pillars of Islam is divided into the following types. In the following way. Number one. Actions which are physical. Physical actions. The pillars of Islam are divided into the following. Number one. Physical actions. Which is called A'mal Badaniya. Physical actions. And these are, this is how many? Two. This is? Two. What are those two? As-Sawmu Was-Salah As-Sawmu Was-Salah They are physical actions that you need to do Sahih The second one is Maliya Wealth Only money You don't need to do anything physical You just have to come with the money This is what? Zakah Zakah is what? Maliya It's only money the third one is Badaniyatun wa maliya Physical and wealth Which one is this? And because it's got both of them That's why it says Inistata'ta ilayhi Sabila Ability was connected to hajj Not the rest Because it combines between two things Physical and what? And wealth And it's hard to get the two together Does that make sense? And the fourth one is A'mal which is Qalbiyya The heart which is the The shahadatain The shahadatain Ashadu la ilaha illallah wa ashadu Anna Muhammad Rasulullah Ponder here Ponder Here The shahadatain And the other pillars All of them what do they have in common here? What do they all have in common? They are all physical actions. Even the shahadatain, the way we know it is that you have to utter it. To know that you're a believer. To know you're a believer, you have to pray. You have to pay zakat. Hajj. Psalm. These five. So Islam is the physical action. And Iman is what? The inner. The inner. Because I'm tu'mina billahi. وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ وَتُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدَرِ خَيْرِ وَشَرِّ All of the six pillars of an iman is what? The heart and Islam is what? Al-Amal al-Zahira and Al-Amal al-Batina Islam is the what? Outer actions And iman is the what? Inner actions Sah? That is only when they are both mentioned in the same context they're both mentioned in the same context. Islam takes the outer actions, and that's what it means. And Iman means the inner actions. Are we all together? And because in this hadith, you're going to see Islam and Iman, there have to be different meanings. Are we all together? Does that make sense? When Islam and Iman are mentioned together, like it's going to be mentioned in this hadith, you've seen Islam and you saw Iman, right? 
Iman is a, Islam means something and Iman some, means something else. What does Islam mean? The inner action, uh, sorry, the outer actions Islam means, and Iman means what? The inner actions. But if it's separately mentioned, Iman and Islam becomes the same. If you see Iman by itself somewhere, what does it mean here? It means Iman and it also means what? And it also means Islam. Sah? And it's those words that the scholars say, إِذَا اجْتَمَعَا اِفْتَرَقَا وَإِذَا اِفْتَرَقَا اِجْتَمَعَا Have you heard of that? If they're mentioned in different places, they mean, t- different, they mean the same meaning. But if they're mentioned together in one place, they have different meanings. Example like that is the word al-faqir wal-miskin. What's a faqir, what's a miskin? إِذَا اجْتَمَعَا اِفْتَرَقَا وَإِذَا اِفْتَرَقَا اِجْتَمَعَا It's like Islam and, Islam and Iman. Jibreel, I mean, the man, he asked the third question. What did he ask? He asked the third question. What was the third question he asked? He asked Ihsan. What did he ask? Ihsan. What's his, what is Ihsan? Ihsan is two levels. What is Ihsan? Two levels. It means, You worship Allah as you can what? As you can see Him. The second is what? If you can't see Him, He can? He can see you. That's the two levels of Ihsan. You worship Allah like you can see Him. That's the highest level of Ihsan. Ihsan means ex- excellence. If you haven't got that yet, you haven't reached that level, you're going to worship Allah knowing that He can? That Allah Azza wa Jalla can? Allah Azza wa Jalla can see you. وَلِذَلِكَ Because the, bel- the believers, they worship Allah with Ihsan, the Day of Judgment, what rights do they get? They get to see Allah. Look what the ayah says. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُ الْحُسْنَى وَزِيَادَ means what? The Prophet explained us to what? To be what? Ru'yatullah, he's seeing Allah. You came with ihsan in this world. You were worshipping Allah like you can see Him. The day of judgment, you deserve to see Him. لِلَّذِينَ أَحْسَنُوا muhsin. The ones who came with ihsan, what did they earn the day of judgment? Ziyada. What's the ziyada? Seeing Allah. The Prophet done tafsir of that ayah. Are we all together? Make a circle like this. Make a circle like that. I mean, it's not the best circle. But make three circles like that. One inside the other. Did everyone see? It's three circles like that. Okay? Abdullah ibn Umar did these three circles. Yeah? Abdullah ibn Umar made these three circles. What are, what are these three circles? The biggest circle is Islam. صح? And then it's Al-Iman, the smaller one. And the third one is what? Al-Ihsan. So the, the biggest circle is what? Islam. The, sm- the, 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 the second one is what? Al-Iman. The smaller one is what? Brothers, pay attention. If a person drops out from Ihsan, what does he become? Mu'min. If he drops out from Iman, what does he become? If he drops out from Islam, what is he? Non-Muslim. Does that make sense for you? So the highest level is what? It's that three levels. You're a muhsin if you go deep. If you drop out of it, you become a mu'min. And a level smaller is what? 
you're still a Muslim. Abdullah ibn Umar mentioned that. We're not going to go into that more details. It needs more discussion. It won't confuse you. Then what did he ask? He said, قَالَ فَأَخْبِرْنِي Tell me about the hour. When is the hour going to happen? What did he say? He said, قَالَ مَنْ مَسْؤُولُ عَنْهَا بِأَعْلَمَ مِنَ السَّائِلِ The one who's been asked is not in more knowledge than the one who's asking. You and I both don't know. Does anyone know when the hour is going to be? No one knows when the hour is going to happen. Only Allah knows it. Only Allah is the one who knows it. Then he said, عَنْ أَمَارَاتِهَا أَيْ عَلَامَاتِهَا Tell me the signs of the hour then. Sahih? Tell me about the... I'll tell you guys something. Nowadays, if you look at the world, what has increased is the concept of... Uh, in movies, in books, they have increased in wizardry, wizardry magic, myths. Sah? The reason is because the world has turned towards atheism. Sahih. The majority of the people in the world become atheists. And they need to fill that vacuum with something. Something needs to go there. So they, Harry Potter comes. So people read that stuff. Myths. To fill that gap of one thing Allah created in us. That need to want to know, hey, what's going to happen tomorrow? We have that in us, right? Islam has done that by telling us what is known as Ashratu Sa'ah. The signs of the hour. Are you with me, brothers? It's in us. We want to know. There are many evidences. The Jan, when it's going to come and what's going to happen and how is it going to be. Ya'ajud wa Ma'juj is going to come. Isa ibn Maryam is going to come down. The Mahdi al-Muntabar is going to come. Who's the Mahdi and how is he going to come? And that day, Mahdi is leading the Salah. And Nabi Isa comes down and he tells him, you lead and I lead. He's a nusus sahihah. Thabita. Are you with me, brothers? What does it do for you? It fills the what? That vacuum that's needed. Like in other people, what do they fill that place with? They read those kind of books. So stay away from them. The Prophet ﷺ, what did he say? I don't know more than what you're asking. I don't know it. I don't know the hour. But he asked him about the signs. What was the signs that he mentioned? Now pay attention. Some of the signs of the hour are bad. And some of the signs of the hour are not bad. They're not something bad. Are we all together? It's nothing bad. Are you with me? And it's not haram. It's just a sign to know that the hour is coming close. Are we all together? And the signs of the hour that's going to happen doesn't show permissibility of it as well. It doesn't show that it's permissible for it to be done. If it's haram, okay? When the Prophet states those things, you can't say, well, look, the Prophet said it's going to happen. So it's permissible. No, he's just talking about the reality that's going to take place. Are we all together? From the signs that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned are what? Two. He mentioned two. The first one is The slave woman is going to give birth to her own master. The scholars, they gave it two interpretations. A woman is going to, going to give birth to her own master. Two qawl, two views the scholars have. The first view is the most common one, which is the mother's going to have children who are disobedient. And the mother's going to be, the, she's going to be a slave for her own children. 
the increase of uquq, disobedience. The mother's going to be in the kitchen cooking for food, uh, kids' food, putting so much effort in, making the bed and everything, and the kid says, Mom, I don't like this. I told you I don't eat this. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. A child's going to do that to his mom. And the mom's like, okay, what, what shall I make you? She becomes a slave to her own son. He's like, what shall I make for you? She says to him. And he goes, mom, I want pizza. Order me pizza. Okay, I will. We'll take half an hour, okay? And she goes and she calls. I remember one parent once come, came to me and she said to me, my son, when I shout at him, he tells me, mom, don't shout at me. It's rude to shout. And she asked me, she said, am I doing something wrong? It's ajeeb that a mother is being, huh? A child speaking back to his mother. There was a story the scholars mentioned was that a man, one of the scholars they mentioned, Ibn Bukhari and others mentioned, that the disobedience of the parents, the consequences that are faced in this world before the hereafter. It's not those things that wait for you. Your children will do this to you. A man, he's, he was blind, he became old, his children took him by the hand and they said, Dad, he was walking with his children, they left him. He said, Dad, sit here, sit under this tree, we're going to come back for you. He said, Dad, please don't leave me here, take me wherever you guys are going. And they said, now, we'll come back for you. Let's just go here and come back. Just stay under the tree and wait for us. He said, tell me what tree that you, this is. And he said, the tree and tree, so, uh, Wallahi, you're not going to come back for me, Dad. Because I left my father under the same tree. Because I left my, I left my father under the same tree. So what you do is what's going to happen to you. So when you're being dutiful, respectful to your parents, it goes back to what? It goes back to your benefit. One of the mashayikh that were meant to come here to the UAE was Sheikh Abdul Razak ibn Abdul Muhsin al Abbad. Sheikh Abdul Razak al Bedr was about to, was meant to come here a couple of months ago. He was due to come here. Okay. When we had that had the, the session forty and tells forty hadith of piety, the day that day he was coming was meant to he had a lecture in UAE. You know why he didn't come? Because his mother said you can't go. Abdul Zak al Bedr who teaches in Haram al Madani, he has a seat there. He's fifty something years old. His mom said to him, "You're not going to go to Dubai." Stay with me, mom, I need you. And he stayed. Wallah. This is birrul walidain. Are you with me, brothers? This is what? <coughs> this is obedience towards your parents. The second sign that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned is, oh sorry, the second meaning that the, I meant the second meaning that the antali al amatu rabbata means is that the mothers are going to be actual slaves. To them with a, with a master. The woman, she's got a master and she's a slave woman for her master. And if a master has a slave woman, he can have intimacy with her, right? With his slave in the Sharia. If she becomes pregnant, what's this child? This child is a free child. So the child is the master of his mother because he's from the lineage of who? The father who's a who's a master. This will increase the hadith mentions. Are we all together? That's the second call of the scholars. The second sign that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned is 
أن ترى الحفاة العراة العالة رعاء الشاء يتطاولون في البنيان A people who have three characteristics are, yeah, What are the characteristics? The first one is Hufat They have no shoes They never had shoes These are people who had no shoes Urat They were naked They, didn't, they barely had clothes Allah They were fuqara Poor And last but not least They are ri'a Four signs Ri'a means they are shepherds They were Bedouins yesterday They have three characteristics They didn't have good shoes Number two They were Urat, naked Three they are poor. Four, they were Bedouins. And then what happens? They are now skyscrapers. Which building is longer than which building? That's what's going to happen. The Ri'a the Bedouins become, the Bedouins become what? Rich. And they get, they get skyscrapers. This is a sign from the signs of the hour. Then Umar, he said that the man left. A little bit of time went by. He then said, Ya Umar, the Prophet said to Umar, Umar, do you know the one who was asking the questions? Do you know the one who was? The one who was asking the questions. And then he said, Allah and his messenger, Allah and his messenger know. And then he said, فَإِنَّهُ جِبْرِيلُ It is Jibreel. أَتَاكُمْ يُعَلِّمُكُمْ دِينُكُمْ It's Jibreel who came to what? The man who came was who? It was Jibreel. Jibreel sometimes used to come in the form of a what? An angel. And sometimes he used to come in the form of who? A human, be- a human being. The scholars, they mention which human being's form he used to come in. Who is it? Yahyatul Kilbi, his companion. He would come in his form. But this is another benefit that we take. What did the, the Prophet say? It is Jibreel who came to what? To teach you? Was Jibreel teaching or was the Prophet teaching? How was Jibreel teaching? Jibreel was a questioner. So if you have the answer of a question, you know something already, it's clear to you. But you want other people to benefit. You are allowed to ask the Shaykh. And you are a teacher in that regard as well. There's nothing wrong. Even if you know the question. Even if you know the answer. But who are you asking it for? You're asking it for other people, it's permissible. Naam. Al Hadith al Thalith. An Abi Abdir Rahman Abdullah ibn Amar ibn al Khattabi radiyallahu anhuma call. Samiatu Rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yakul. Bunya al Islam ala khams. شهادة أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد عبده ورسوله وإقام, وإقام الصلاة وإيتاء الزكاة وحج البيت وصوم رمضان رواه البخاري ومسلم Next one This hadith we read it in the hadith of Jibreel is in there right? The pillars of Islam الحديث الرابع 
عن أبي عبد الرحمن عبد الله بن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال حدثنا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وهو الصادق المصدوق إن أحدكم يجمع خلقه في بطن أمه أربعين يوما ثم يكون علقة مثل ذلك ثم يكون مضغة مثل ذلك ثم يرسل, يرسل الملك فينفخ فيه الروح ويؤمر بأربع, بأربع كلمات لكتف رزقه وأجله وعمله وشقي أم سعيد فوالله الذي لا إله غيره إن أحدكم ليعمل بعمل أهل الجنة حتى ما يكون بينه وبينها إلا ذراع فيسبق عليه الكتاب فيعمل بعمل أهل النار فيدخلها وإن أحدكم ليعمل بعمل أهل النار فيسبق 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 ها وإن أحدكم لا يعمل بعمل أهل النار حتى ما يكون بينه يكون بينه وبينها إلا ذراع فيسبق عليه الكتاب فيعمل بعمل أهل الجنة فيدخلها رواه البخاري ومسلم. This hadith is narrated in Bukhari and Muslim, meaning both of them agreed. But again, the wording here is not exactly in Bukhari and Muslim like that. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he said that the, I, the Prophet ﷺ, the truthful one, told me. But the, truth one, the truthful one, meaning the Prophet, said, That one of us, our creation is brought together. How is it brought together? Meaning in the womb of the, in the, womb of the mother. How is it brought together? مَاءُ الرَّجُلِ وَمَاءُ الْمَرَأَةِ that which comes from the man and that which comes from the woman. And from there what happens? It becomes a what? It becomes a nutfa. That's the first stage. How many stages does, does it go through? Three. What's the first stage? It's a nutfa. Nutfa means what? It's like a saliva, just a little spit. That's how small it is. Okay? Then it becomes, second is alaqah. The second stage is what? It becomes a... What is alaqah? Alaqah is just a blood. Alaqah is just a clot of blood. And then it becomes a mudghah. Mudghah means a piece of meat that can be bitten. Mudghah means what you can bite. It's just one piece of meat that you take from a food and you put it in your mouth, you're going to eat. That amount is what it is. After those stages, an angel is sent. How much is each stage? Yeah? 40. What's how? So 40, 40, 40. How much is it? Three forties. That's when the, the person, the angel comes and four things are commanded, are written. What are they? The things that are written for you are four things. What is the first thing? Your provision is written for you. Fear Allah Ta'ala in your provision. What you're going to eat? Ma min abdin, ma min nafsin manfusa. There's no nafs that breathes. Except what? 
Except that your provision is written for you. Second is your ajal, your lifespan. Yeah, how long are you going to live for? Allah knows, subhanahu wa ta'ala, everyone. We don't know. All we know is that we're going to die. But we don't know where we're going to die and how we're going to die. We don't know that. The third one is amal, our actions. It's written for us. Shaqiyun or Sa'id Sa'id means if we're righteous or if we're evil, it's written for us as well. Then the Prophet told us that a person may do the action of what? The action of the people of Jannah. Dira is this much. Hand span, sah? Arm span. This much. A person's between him and dying is this much. It's very close. What happens? He turns on his heels and he becomes a disbeliever. And he enters the what? He enters the hellfire. Here the question is why did he change? He was good. The scholars they say he was only good from the apparent. Another narration explains it. He was good from the outer. His goodness wasn't really inside. He was only good from the outer. He only wore a nice tobe and he let his beard grow and he looked good from the outer. But he was not good from, from inside. And that bad thing inside you will finally overcome. So we need to, scare, we need to be scared of, we need to be scared of su'ul khatima, an evil ending. And this hadith scares a believer. It scares a person. That you can die in a way other than the way you are. And that's why we need to increase in saying, Ya muqallib al-qulub, tabbit qulubana ala deenik. The one who turns and tosses the heart, keep our hearts firm upon your religion. Rabbana la tuzik qulubana ba'da id hadaytana, wahab lana min ladunka rahma, innaka anta al-wahab. Naam. Al-Hadith al-Khamis. عن أم المؤمنين أم عبد الله عائشة رضي الله عنها قالت قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من أحدث في أمرنا هذا ما ليس منه فهو رد رواه البخاري ومسلم وفي رواية لمسلم من عمل عملا ليس عليه أمرنا فهو رد This hadith is hadith narrated from our mother Aisha. Did Aisha have any children? Why is she called Umm al-Mu'minin? Why is she, why is she called Umm Abdullah? Sorry, the mother of Abdullah. Huh? This shows you that you're allowed to give yourself a kunya even if you don't, even if you don't have children. You can call yourself Abu. You can call yourself Abu even if you're. A, even if you're a young person. Well, you can even call yourself, give yourself a kunya even if you're 10 years old. Sahih? The Prophet called the boy, he said to him, alayhi salatu salam, ma fa'ala nughayr. He said, what did he say? Huh? Who knows the wording of the hadith? Huh? He called him Abu Umair, but what did he say? 
He had a little bird called Nughair that he used to play on. He said, Ya Aba Umair, ma fa'ala Nughair? He said to him, Ali Sassam. Aba Umair was a little boy. But he said, Bukhari chapted a chapter of calling the young boy, somebody young, by a kunya. So the person doesn't even have to be old. You give the person a kunya, no problem. Back in those days, it was a form of respect. It was a respectful way. Are we all together, brothers? It's a respectful, respectful way. This hadith is Bukhari and Muslim both narrated it. What did the hadith of Umar the first hadith that we take, and we took, what did it speak about? The intention which is inside, right? Sah? This hadith, it deals with the outer. What does it deal with? Ikhlas and mutaba. What does ikhlas mean? Sincerity, right? And this hadith talks about following the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That you can't innovate in the religion. And that is what la ilaha illallah, Muhammadur Rasulullah. La ilaha illallah is ikhlas. La ilaha illallah is ikhlas. In what? In ibadah, right? And Muhammadur Rasulullah is ikhlas in what? In mutaba'ah. We're all together. La ilaha illallah is what? Is ikhlas in ibadah for Allah Azza wa Jalla. Only Allah you worship. <coughs> Muhammadur Rasulullah is what? It's you sincerely follow the Prophet Sallallahu alone. Alayhi salatu. Alayhi salatu salam. Are we all together? It's very important you understand that. So this hadith and the other hadith are the most important hadith. Somebody will say to you, Wallahi, I didn't do this except out of sincerity. I did this for the sake of Allah. We will say you only came with one pillar for the action to be accepted. The other action is, the other one is missing from you, which is following the Prophet Are you with me, brothers? It's not enough that you're sincere. It's not enough. Are you with me, brothers? That is not enough. What do you need? You need to follow the messenger. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When any action that finds sincerity with following the Prophet, this action is accepted. Sahih? وَلِذَلِكَ فَضَيْلُ الْعِيَاضِ وَدِلِي سَيْدِ الْآيَةِ لِيَبَلُوَكُمْ أَيُّكُمْ أَحْسَنُ Why did the ayah say أَحْسَنُ عَمَلُ The best of actions. And why did it not say the most of actions? Why did it not say a lot of actions? Because the actions, what's needed from us, is that which is what? The best, not the most. What does the best mean? Fudayim Iyad said, Akhlasuhu wa aswabu. It's done with sincerity, and you follow who? The Prophet alayhi salatu wasalam. Every action that you're doing, do it with sincerity, and follow the Prophet in it alayhi salatu wasalam. Don't do what we, what we call bid'ah, sah? Sah? Don't do uh, bid'ah. The question is, this, what does bid'ah mean? What does? What does? What does bid'ah mean? Number one, write it down. Bid'ah means, the hadith told us it. We're going to take it out of the hadith. It is what? To initiate something. To start something. It never existed, you're starting it. 
Number two, in the religion. Are you with me, brothers? You're in, where, are you, where are you starting it in? So it's not a worldly? It's not a worldly affair. If people, mashallah, the Muslimin are making new technology and everything, can we say, Ya Akhi Taqillah, why are you doing this bid'ah for? Can we say that? No, 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 no. We're talking about which one? One person will say, you always say bid'ah, bid'ah, bid'ah. But all of you look at you wearing mobile phones, you have mobile phones and you, you watches. Uh, we say, aslan, the issue is not about the dunya. Nobody's telling you, be the biggest innovator in the dunya. We like that. Huh? Here we're talking about the deen, the deen, the deen. You're not allowed to add anything to the religion. Number three, that which is not part of the religion. That which is not part of the religion. There's a difference between the three. Oh, the, the last two seem a bit similar, right? Second and third kind of seems seem similar, right? The difference between the two is, as we're going to mention, number one is that you can, in, you can start it or someone else can start it. It doesn't matter. That's why Noah, we brought both the wordings. مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلَ لَيْسَ عَلِيَ أَمْرُنَا فَوَرَدٍ أَنْ مَنْ أَحَدَثَ فِي أَمْرِنَا هَذَا مَلَيْسَ مِنُ فَوَرَدٍ he brought two wordings for a reason. No way. Why did he bring them? Because somebody can say, well, I, I didn't start it. It wasn't me who started Somebody else started it. So the first one, it says, anyone who starts. Anyone who starts. And the other narration says, if you start. So it encompasses both. Are we all together, brothers? Whether you started it, or someone else started it, it doesn't matter. Number two. Number? Number two. Is it in the religion? What does this mean, you're starting it in the religion? Meaning, you took a whole new concept is being brought into the deen. And it's not from it. It's a whole new thing. It's been taken from here, and it's been brought. It's not nothing to do with the deen. That's the second one. The third one is it is part of the deen but not in this way. It has some basis in the deen but the way you, you're doing it is not part of the religion. For example, raising your hands when you're making dua is that from our religion? Yeah, is it? Isn't it not? It is. It is. Can the Imam, when he's doing dua on the pulpit, can he raise his hands? The khatib who's doing the khutbah, can he raise his hands when he's making the dua? No, he's not. But the raising of the hand has a delil. And the dua has a what? But together as a khatib, it has no delil. Or if you're going to the toilet and you say, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-khubthi wal-khabayth. Can you say that? And when you come out, you say, Ufranak. Can you say that? The raising of the hand is manqul, is sah. And the dua is also evidence for it. Like in making it here, there's no evidence for it. But we'll together, brothers. 
Does that make sense? Yes? No? So you're not allowed to bring something that the Prophet did because he's the one who raised his hands here and he's the one who didn't raise it here. You follow him in raising it here and you follow him in not raising it here. What did he used to do when he, do, when he used to do khutbah? Did he raise his hand? No, he raised his finger. Do you get it? You don't ask too many questions. You just follow him. But you, say, you can't say, but when he made dua in istisqa, he raised his hand. So here I can also do it. No, that's istisqa. That's called bid'a ibafiyya. And the second one is called bid'a haqiqiyya. Are we all together? Does that make sense? So some bid'a, they have... The asal is there in the deen. Sah. Like in the... Either the kafiyah is not in the religion like that. The form is not. Or the place the person is doing it is not like there. Or the adat, the number. Those three. They're changing either the place. Okay. Or they are changing the form in which they're doing it. Or number three, which is what? The adat, the number. The Prophet said it three times, you're saying it ten times. Are we all together, brothers? Sah? Very good. We understand everything. Anyone who innovates in the religion, what is he doing? He is indirectly slandering the Messenger, alayhi salatu wasalam. Indirectly. How is he? Because Nabilah Muhammad made a promise I'm going to convey everything that will take you to Jannah And I will convey everything that will distance you from the hellfire He said that to us Did he not say مَا بَعَثَ اللَّهُ مِن نَبِيٍّ إِلَّا كَانَ حَقًّا عَلَيْهِ أَنْ يَدُلَّ أُمَّتَهُ عَلَىٰ خَيْرِ يَعْلَمُهُ عَلَىٰ خَيْرِ يَعْلَمُهُ لَهُمْ The good that he knows for them He's going to convey it to them Did he not say On the day of Hajjatul Wada' People he said to the companions, Did I not convey the religion to you? And they said, Yes, you did. And he said, Allahumma fashhad, oh Allah be my witness. So the Prophet told us that he conveyed everything. You are now coming and you're adding something to the religion, which he never mentioned. And what are you saying? This thing is going to take us to Jannah. That's what you're saying. You're saying this is going to take us to Jannah. Okay. But Muhammad said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he's going to tell us everything that will take us to Jannah. So either he's lying or you're lying. Are we all together? ولذلك الإمام مالك said من ابتدع في الإسلام بدعة يراها حسنة فقد زعم أن محمد خان الرسالة. Anyone who innovates in something into the religion that's not from it, he has indirectly said that Muhammad has deceived the religion. Who said this? الإمام مالك رحمه الله إمام دار الهجرة. So it's not permissible to add anything to the religion. Be careful, brothers. Everything that you do. Sufyan al-Thawri, do you know what he said? Sufyan al-Thawri went so far, he said, if you can scratch your head based on the evidence that you found, then do it. Even to scratch your head, if you can find the evidence for it, do it. Don't do anything without evidence, he means. Meaning, of course, he's going far by, you don't have to find the evidence to scratch your head. But he means don't do anything in the religion that you don't have no evidence for. Sahih? You know why? The person who's doing the ibadah, what are you doing the ibadah for? You want to go Jannah, right? You want to please Allah Azza wa Jalla, right? 
How do you know that this action is going to please Allah Azza wa Jal? And how do you know it's going to take you to Jannah? Nabi Muhammad didn't tell you. How do you know? Sah? Be careful. So, Every road to Jannah is blocked. Except the road Nabi Muhammad took. That's the only road that goes to Jannah. If I want to go to Ajman, there's a road I have to take. I can't cut through the buildings and the living rooms of people's houses and say, well, I want to go to Ajman. How can I? No, I'm not allowed to. I take the path which they made, they paved for the people to take. Naam. Al-Hadith al-Sadis An Abi Abdullah al-Nu'man ibn Bashir radiyallahu anhuma qal Sami'atu Rasulallah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yaqul إن الحلال بين وإن الحرام بين وبينهما أمور مشتبهات لا يعلمهن كثير من الناس فمن اتقى الشبهات فقد استبرأ لدينه وعرضه ومن وقع في الشبهات وقع في الحرام كالراعي يرعى حول الحما يوشك أن يرتع فيه ألا وإن لكل ملك حما ألا وإن حما الله محارمه ألا وإن في الجسد مضغة إذا صلحت صلح الجسد كله وإذا فسدت فسد الجسد كله ألا وهي القلب رواه البخاري ومسلم. This hadith, the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, he mentioned for us when it comes to issues of our religion that are demanded from us, the things that are requested from us are either Things we're told to do or things that we're told to stay away from. What are the things that we are told to come with or we are allowed to come with? What is it called? Halal. And what are the things that we have to stay away from? It's the things that we're not allowed to come with. The halal is it clear? Inna al-halala bayyinun. It's clear. Wa inna al-harama bayyinun. Both clear. Wa baynahuma. There are things that are slightly ambiguous It's unclear Who is it not clear to? It's not clear to the people But the scholars know it That's why people have to keep coming back to the scholars The majority of the people don't know it But the scholars know it That's why you need to keep coming to the scholars This one now Which is the halal The believer comes with it The haram the believer stays away from it. He what? He stays away from the haram. And he also stays away from the mushtabihat, the ambiguous, the unclear things. He always takes what is called what? At-tahari. Takes the safest of the path. The Prophet told us in his hadith, those who don't, that the, the gray area, as they call it, that's not, it's not, it's gray to you. It's not clear. What do you do? If you keep eating from that grey area, if you keep going into that grey area, as time goes on, you're going to see yourself, you're going to go to the haram. Walidhalika the Prophet gave an example. He said, إِنَّ الْحَلَالَ بَيِّنُونَ وَإِنَّ الْحَرَامَ بَيِّنُونَ وَبَيْنَهُمَا أُمُورُ مُشْتَبِهَاتِ لَيَعَلَمُهُنَّ كَثِيرٌ مِنَ النَّاسِ He said, فَمَنِ اتَّقَشُّبُهَاتِ فَقَدِ اسْتَبْرَأَ you protect two things. You protect your religion and your honor. Are we all together? 
people, if they see you do things which are not haram or halal, but it's, it's grey, you're going to open the door of people to have bad speculation of you. They're going to be like, did, I, did you see that man? Ha. He did this because you're playing with fire. Your honor is going to go. You're going to lose your honor by going into this gray area. Don't go into it. It's going to destroy your honor. And what is it also going to do? It's going to destroy your religion. And the Prophet gave example. At that time, the Muslims, they had a reserved area. It was reserved for the zakat. Remember the Muslim leader, what does he do? He collects the zakat money, right? At that time, what was the zakat? The goats and the camels and the sheep, right? When those goats are taken from the people and the sheep and the camels are taken from the people, they need grass. Sahih? <coughs> Where do they put that? In that land that the leader made. They stay there, they eat from there, they looked after. Money from the Beitul Mal is, is paid towards it to look after that place for them. No one's allowed to eat, no one's goats is allowed to go into there, no sheep is allowed to go into there. It's reserved area. If somebody's goat keeps eating from the edges and keeps eating from the edges and the corners, what's going to happen finally? He'll go in. And finally he's going to go in. The Prophet gave that example. That's what's going to happen to you. If you go to those unclear things and you keep going there and then and then, finally you'll see yourself in the middle of a haram. One of the things that Ibn al-Qayyim and others mention is the sunan, the voluntary things are actually a help to prevent you not, you not coming with the wajibat. Well, together, a woman who's is wearing a niqab, she's wearing a niqab, she's covered her face. Is it easy for her to come out next day with a trousers on? Is it easy for her to do that? First the niqab has to go. So the niqab is a protect, it's a sunnah if according to some of the ulama and some believe it's wajib. But we're not going to go into that right now. That being the case, it's a prevention of the things which are agreed upon to be wajib. It prevents it. Praying sunnah salah, it protects you not leaving dhuhr and ahsan maghrib and isha. If you're praying qiyamul layl, are you going to leave these five? No, you're not. If you're praying them rawatib, are you going to leave the five? So the sunnah is also a way to protect the wajibat not leaving. It's very important that we understand that. And stay away from the things which are, clear, are unclear. Be safe. Okay, brothers? A lot of people, they say, is it haram? No. But just stay away from it. No, 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 no. If it's not haram, I'm going to do it. No, just leave it. Why do you have to do it? If it's doubtful, and there's a pull and push on it, why are you going to be in the middle of it? What about if it happens to be haram the day of judgment? What are you going to do? Stay away from anything like that. Then the Messenger وسلم, tells us that there is an organ inside the human being. This organ, if it's steadfast and upright, the whole of the body is what? Safe and upright. And if this organ is corrupted, the whole entire body is what? It's corrupt. Which organ is this? It's the, it's the heart. 
it is the heart. ولذلك أبو هريرة said رضي الله تعالى عنه القلب ملك الأعضاء that the قلب is the king. فإن طاب الملك طابت الجنود والرعايا وإن خبث الملك خبثت الجنود والرعايا. He said that the قلب is the what? Is the king. The قلب is the what? Is the king. If the قلب is upright, what happens to the whole body? Good. And if the king is corrupt, then the whole body becomes corrupt with it. That's what he said. Now. الحديث السابع عن أبي رقية تميم بن أوس الداري رضي الله عنه أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال الدين النصيحة قلنا لمن قال لله ولكتابه ولرسوله ولأئمة المسلمين وعامتهم رواه مسلم. This hadith Abu Ruqayyah Tamimi ibn Ausin al-Dari radiyallahu ta'ala anhu said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he said ad-deen the religion is what? An-Nasiha. Sincere advice. But remember the word An-Nasiha each of the ones that are mentioned here are differently the Nasiha is different for each one. Like for example Nasiha for Allah azawajal means what? You do what he told you to do and you stay away from what he told you to stay away from. That is Nasiha for Allah. What is it, nasiha for Allah? A, you do what he told you to do. B, you stay away from what he told you to stay away from. Walikitabihi, what is it? Walikitabihi, what is it? The Quran, right? I'm the book. It is that you believe it, and that it came from Allah Azawajal. That this book is from Allah Azawajal. That's a nasiha to likitabihi. Are we all together? وَلِرَسُولِهِ His Messenger is تَصْدِيقُ فِي مَا أَخْبَرُ You believe in everything he told you. عليه الصلاة والسلام Every information that he told you that happened in the past, the things that are going to happen in the future. Nabi Allah Muhammad told you, you believe him. تَصْدِيقُ فِي مَا أَخْبَرُ وَامْتِثَالُ مَا أَمَرُ You do what he told you to do. عليه الصلاة والسلام You believe everything he told you, you follow everything he told you to do. You also stay away from everything he told you to stay away from. Salawatullahi wa salamu alayhi. وَلِأَئِمَّةِ الْمُسْلِمِينَ And the Muslim leader, the advice that he has on you is that you advise him where? Privately. The Muslim leader, you can never advise him publicly. However much his mistakes is, you're not allowed to make it publicly. The Prophet said in the hadith, that the advice, the Prophet said the greatest form of jihad is kalima to haqqin, a true statement in the Sultan in Jair, next to the oppressive leader, next to him. You don't say it on Twitter, you don't say it on Facebook, you don't say it on social media, you don't say it in the, on the Khutbatul Jum'ah. The leader, the advice that he has on you is inda, underline that part of the hadith, inda, next to him. The leader, you advise him. When he's with you, you tell him the truth. So this is haram, and Allah will account you for it the day of judgment. Are you, too, are you all with me? Inda is what the Prophet said. So if you take that word inda out of the hadith, you're distorting what the Prophet said. Okay? You have to say it to him. You're saying things on social media, he doesn't even know about it. What type of advice is that? He doesn't even know you're saying anything about him. Well, who are you advising? Are you advising him or the, the people on social media? 
Even if he turns your advice and doesn't listen to it, you're not allowed to advise, you're not allowed to take that outside to the public. This is Ijma'u Salaf. The reason is because Maya Taratib alayhi min al Mafasid. The great harm that's gonna come from it. The great harm that is going to come from it. And we spoke about that in the Sharh of Al Imam al Muzani Sahih Sharh Sunnah. As for the believers, the advice of the believers is two things that you need to do for them as well. And we mentioned it before, which is what? Al-Lut. You're gentle in the way you speak. You are what? You're gentle in the way you speak. And the second one is, you do it privately. You do it. You do it privately. But if he doesn't accept it in private, you can't make it public now. And he's done it publicly. And you've advised him, and he doesn't listen. And the problem is spreading. Shara'an is permissible for you to explain to the people that what he did is wrong. Are we all together? Who is the one who distinguished between the rulers and the people, normal people? The Prophet did it. That the advice of the leader, you're never allowed to make it public. Even if he doesn't listen to you. Even if he persists on it. You cannot. Like in the general mass, the Prophet ﷺ told you, you can. Are we all together? The evidence showed that. The way that he told us this, he told us this, we follow him in it. It's not a contradiction. Are we all together? It's not a... It's from the Messenger alayhi salatu Lakin, the munkar is always... It's always spoken against. Any munkar that happens, it's always spoken against. The munkar is spoken against. Not the leader. It's not spoken against. Naam. الحديث الثامن عن ابن عمر رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أمرت أن أقاتل الناس حتى يشهدوا أن لا إله إلا الله وأن محمد رسول الله ويقيم الصلاة ويؤت الزكاة فإذا فعلوا ذلك عصموا مني دماءهم وأموالهم إلا بحق الإسلام وحسابهم على الله تعالى رواه البخاري ومسلم this hadith tells us that the people's blood is is ma'asum, it's sacred. The blood of the Muslim is sacred. And we're not allowed to sp- spill the blood of the believers. The non-Muslims, there are three types. Mu'ahid, Musta'min, Dimmi. Those three types of the non-Muslims are not allowed to be touched. And their bloods are not allowed to be... And also they are not allowed to be what? Their wealth is not allowed to be touched. From them is the one who has... Who comes into the Muslim country. And he lives within in the Muslim country. No one's allowed to take his wealth. No one's allowed to touch his blood. He's protected and he's looked, looked after. You can't take his money. You can't take anything. The second one is... From the non-Muslims... The one that was given safety by a Muslim person. A Muslim person brought him to the land of the Muslims and said, he's with me, leave him. He's a musta'min. Dhimmi is the one who has a contract with a country. The third one is governments have agreements. These two governments have an agreement, an allegiance between the two of them. That they are going to live in treaty like Sulh al-Hudaybiyah. It also needs to be followed. It's the third type. 
Other than that, the, the non-Muslims become muharaba. The battle happens, which is the fourth form. Those three, anyone who touches them, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, Lam yarih jannah. The person will not smell the fragrance of Jannah. You touch any of those three disbelievers. The Mustamin, the Dhimmi and the Mu'ahid. If you touch him, you're not going to smell the fragrance of Jannah. You're not allowed to touch him. Not, as for the Muslim, the Muslim's blood is sacred except these circumstances that are mentioned. The one, first one is the one who what? So the type of sacredness is two types. Write this down. It's two types. His blood becomes sacred the minute he does this, which is called Ismatul Hal. This minute his blood becomes sacred. No one is allowed to touch it. And there's another one which is called Ismatul Ma'al. His blood becomes sacred later. Which is two types. What does that mean? The first one is if a person says to you, Ashadu la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah, that minute his blood is sacred. You can't touch him. Even if it's in the worst circumstances. Circumstances that don't make sense to you. Are we all together? It doesn't matter. That ashadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. Leave him alone. He's a Muslim. He's your brother now. You, you know the famous hadith of the Sahabi Miqdad ibn Aus. He said, Ya Rasulullah, if I'm in a battlefield and a non-Muslim comes to me and he cuts my hand and then I take the sword with the other one and then he's about to cut my other one and I strike him and he's about to hit him. He says, Ashadu Allah, Ashadu Muhammad Rasulullah. And then what would happen? The Prophet said, if you kill him, you will go to his place and he will take your place. What did he mean by that? He means that you are going to be the one that's going to be killed for killing your Muslim brother. Sahih? Because you just killed your Muslim brother. And you all know for somebody to take Islam, it takes weeks. Give me the Quran, let me read it. It doesn't explain this to me. Sah? It takes time. In the middle of the battlefield like that, no one generally comes to Islam unless he's what? He's running away from the? He's running away from the sword. But even then, who cares? He said it, we're going to take it from him. He said it. He said, Whether you understand why he said it or how he said it, it doesn't matter. He said, And he's going to be left. Because this word means something. Are we all together, brothers? The second one is Ismatul Ma'al. After you say, There are things that if you leave, it's not going to help you anymore. This is called Ismatul Ma'al. For you to now continually stay in Islam, there are things that you need to come with. And from them, the hadith mentions the salah and the. It mentions the salah and the zakat. The zakat is disputed, like in the salah. Sorry, the zakat is overwhelming. Majority of scholars agree that it's not. You're not disbeliever. Like in the salah, is differed upon. The scholars, they differ. If you leave the salah, are you a Muslim or? Or, or are you not? They're like in the overwhelming majority of scholars believe that if you leave the salah, you're not a kafir. The overwhelming majority of scholars believe you're not a kafir. Now. Al-Hadith al-Tasi'ah. عن أبي هريرة عبد الرحمن بن سخر الدوسي رضي الله عنه قال 
سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول ما نهيتكم عنه فاجتنبوه وما أمرتكم به فأتوا منه ما استطعتم فإنما أهلك الذين من قبلكم كسرة مسائلهم واختلافهم على أنبيائهم رواه البخاري ومسلم أبو هريرة What's his name? Abdul Rahman ibn Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhrin is the name of Abu Huraira. He's from the people of Dosi. Who brought Abu Huraira into Islam? What was the name of the companion who brought him into Islam? Yeah, somebody said it. I heard it. Tufail ibn Amrin in Dosi. Tufail was the man who brought Abu Huraira into Islam. Tufail ibn Amrin. Abu Huraira has the most narrations. He has the what? What does he have? He has the most narrations. Radiallahu ta'ala anhu. This hadith, what does it say? Anything that is prohibited from you, what do you do? Anything that you're, that's prohibited from you, what do you do? Stay away from it. And anything that you're commanded, do it in accordance to your what? Oh, let's pay attention now. Why is it that when I have to come with something, my ability is mentioned, but not when I leave something? The hadith says, when you are prohibited from something, do what? Stay? Stay away from it. Okay. But when I was told to leave, sorry, when I was told to come with something, what was I told? The hadith said, anything I prohibited you from, stay away from it. It didn't say if you're able to. But when he told you to come with something, when I command you to do something, come with what you're able to do. Why is ability connected to coming with and not leaving off? Is my question clear? Because the default position of everybody is they don't do nothing. Station is the asr. Doing something is moving from your default position. That requires ability. So to leave up haram, you're going back to your default position. Does that make sense? Huh? Lack of movement is the asal. So that doesn't need ability. Lakin doing something. Huh? What does it need? It needs ability. It needs work. Does that make sense? That's how merciful Allah is. That His rules, it observes our essence. What does it do? It observes our essence. He knows what type of people we humans, what works and what he knows it. Subhanahu, Subhanahu wa Taala. So, which one is greater in sin? Leaving off what Allah, sorry, going against Allah's prohibition, or going against Allah's command? Which one is worse? It's a homework. What is worse, going against Allah's prohibition, or going against His command? Remember the story of Nebulah Adam. Adam, did he go against the prohibition? Uh, Iblis? He went against a, a, a command. Who's worse? Iblis was worse. Does that make sense? These are issues you have to understand. Which one is better? A poor patient person? A poor patient person? Or a rich 
gratitude individual who has gratitude. Which was better? He's poor and he's patient. Or he's rich and he has gratitude. Homework, inshallah. Look into these things. Poor or pa- he's poor and he's patient. Or he's rich and he has what? He has shukr. Shows Allah gratitude. Pay attention. So, anything I prohibited from you, do it. Anything I commanded you to do, come with that which you're able to do. What destroyed the previous nations? What destroyed the previous nations? They asked too much questions. That's what destroyed them. Asking too much questions is a problem. Are you with me, brothers? And this is very dangerous. You find this a lot in the Muslims today. They go out of their way and they look for things. A wife goes through her husband's phone and she looks into his phone and sees what he's doing. It's very dangerous. Don't ask what doesn't concern you. لا تسألوا عن أشياء إن تبدلكم تسؤكم Don't ask about something. If it becomes clear to you, it's going to hurt you. Sometimes things to be hidden from you is the best. Are we all together, brothers? People ask questions. Unnecessary questions. Things that they don't need to know. If it becomes clear to you, you're going to cry and get emotional. And why did you ask in the first place? Sahih. Leave off these questions. Because when the answer comes, you're going to cry. Tears. Don't ask. And it's going to make you stressed. And it's going to cause you hardship. Are we all together, brothers? And this is very common with people. It's very what? It's very common with people. They ask too many questions. And when they find out, it hurts them. Leave it. Anything that's not out there, don't look for it. Leave it. Ignore it. Don't ask about it. You don't need to know. The reason is because asking too many questions leads to opposition. But this doesn't make sense. But this, no, 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 no. Let, stop, 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 stop. I didn't get this. Why this? No, 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 no. Why, what about this? And some people just don't stop. They question Allah, and then they question the Hadith, and then they question the Qadr, and they say, what about this? No, but this doesn't make sense. Logically, I'm thinking about it, and it doesn't make sense to me. Are we all together? So, everything stops somewhere. And say, I don't know it, and don't ask about it. Now. Al-Hadith Al-Ashir Just to remind you The Baqarah In Allah Ya'murukum An Tadbahu Baqarah Allah commanded you To slaughter what? What did they do? They asked about the color How should it look? The first time Allah said In Allah Ya'murukum An Tadbahu Baqarah Go slaughter wherever you want They could have just went The first cow they found Slaughter it Make it easy on themselves they went and they asked questions and then they came back and then another one. Until then, it got restricted, it got hard on them. Are we all together? Well, the Prophet said, The person who has the most severe punishment is the one who asks a question. And guess what? Because of his question, something was made haram. Sometimes now. Allah Taala chooses to not mention things because He wants it to be permissible for you. He lets it go. 
There's another wording. Anything Allah became silent and of is what? It was out of mercy that He chose to be silent about this, not that He forgot it, subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's good. Enjoy yourself. It's permissible. It falls under the things that Sharia allowed you to do. Are we all together? A man, the Prophet said to the people, Inna Allah amarakum anta hujju fahujju. Allah commanded you to do hajj, so do it. And then a man stood up, he said, Ya Rasulullah, akulla amin. Every year? The Prophet just said, do hajj. He said, every year? The Prophet ignored him. The man said, every year? The Prophet ignored him. He said, oh, Mr. Jabal, every year? The Prophet looked at him and said, if I was to say yes, it would be every year. Right now, if I just said yes, every year people would have to do hajj. And then he turned and he said to the people, if I command you to do something, do it. And if I prohibit you from something, do what you're able to do. And anything that the Sharia is silent about, it is out of his mercy to you. Do not what? Don't try to investigate it more. Allah did not forget subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now. الحديث العاشر عن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله تعالى طيب لا يقبل إلا طيبا وإن الله أمر المؤمنين بما أمر به المرسلين فقال تعالى يا أيها الرسل كلوا من الطيبات وعملوا صالحا وقال وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا كلوا من طيبات ما رزقناكم ثم ذكر الرجل يطيل السفر السفر أشعث أغبر يمد يديه إلى السماء يا رب يا رب ومطعمه حرام ومشربه حرام وملبسه حرام وغذي بالحرام فأنا يستجاب لذلك رواه مسلم the, oath, uh, the Prophet ﷺ mentioned in this hadith, Inna Allah tayyibun, Allah is good. La yaqbalu illa tayyiban, and he does not accept that, accept that which is good. Wa inna Allah amara al-mu'minina bima amara bihil mursaleen. And that which Allah commanded the messengers, He commanded the believers. Which is that which, what is it? Ya ayyuhal rusulu kuluh, min al-tayyibati wa'amalu salihan. Two things. Eat good, and what was the second thing? And come with righteous actions. The same Allah commanded the believers. Ya yaladina amanu, kulu min tayyibati ma razaqnaakum. And do righteous actions is mentioned in the verses to come. So what are we commanded to do, brothers? Eat good and come with righteous, righteous actions. Ibn al-Qayyim took something very beneficial from this. That the eating of haram affects the actions that the people do. What you eat and the haram that you take in will affect your righteous deeds. You can't pray salah on time. You're suffering with fasting in Ramadan. You're cheating and you're lying. Where is all of that coming from? It's coming because of that which you're taking in. Are we all together brothers? And there's no doubt scientifically even proven that the, in the type of food that you eat can definitely affect your emotions in the way that you are. Without a doubt. And the way that you carry yourself. Are you with me? 
the type of food that you eat, you become angry and your mood swinging and can be based on your food and what you take in. So eating tayyib. What does it mean eating tayyib? Two things. The eating of food which is tayyib, it means two things. Number one, it's halal. The food that you're eating is halal food. Don't eat haram. And the second one is, don't go overboard in the halal. Don't do islaf and eat too much. Allah Taala He mentions in the ayah, "Qul man harrama zinat Allahi lati akhraja al-ibadi wa al-tayyibati min al-rizq, qul hiya lil-ladina amanu fi al-hayati dunya khalid." No, not the ayah. What's the ayah? No, no. "Khudu zinatakum 'inda kulli masjid wa kulu wa sharabu wa la tusrifu inna la yuhibul musrifin." Allah does not like those who go overboard. So even if it's halal, don't go overboard. Because remember, when you eat too much, the Sharia doesn't like it. It's unhealthy. And of course you're not going to wake up for Qiyamul Layl. And of course you're not going to pay Fajr on time. Because look how much food you ate. You're tired. وَلِذَلِكَ the Salaf they say, they said, مَنْ أَكَلَ كَثِيرًا Anyone who eats a lot, نَامَتِ الْفِكْرَةِ Your mind switches off. وَكَفَّتِ الْأَعْضَاءُ عَنِ الْعِبَادَةِ And your limbs withhold from ibadah. You no longer do ibadah. And Imam Shafi'iyu, rahimahullah, he saw, he saw Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani. He saw who? Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani, they said he was very big. Very big. Rahimahullah. You know Muhammad ibn Hassan al-Shaybani? The student of Imam Abu Hanifa. They said he was big. And the scholars, he actually even mentioned, he wasn't actually big because of what he ate. That's what some scholars said. It was actually a man who used to fast Kaniya Sumu Siyamu Dawood. You know, some people's bodies is different. They eat little bit. Eat. Huh? Some brothers were like, yes, yes. <laughs> it's not my fault. <laughs> so, he used to fast a lot. And he was actually a Zahid. They said about him. You know what he said in Imam Shafi'i? Imam Shafi'i saw him one day and he said, Wallahi la yuflihu saminun qat. No chubby person is ever going to be successful in, in the religion after Muhammad and Hassan al-Shaybani. What did he mean by that? The one who eats too much generally cannot produce a lot. What does it do to him? The brain switches off. The physical ability goes. So combining the two is very what? Umar saw a man touch his stomach and he said, Alhamdulillah. He said, don't say that. Say, A'udhu Billah. That's a punishment from Allah. He said, Allah is punishing you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was holding his stomach. He had a, a stomach and he said, Alhamdulillah. He ate and he said, Alhamdulillah. He said, don't say that. Say, A'udhu Billah. Because he said, Allah is punishing you, subhanahu wa ta'ala. A'quubah min Allah azza wa jalla. Are you with me, brothers? So don't, too, don't eat too much. And it's not a good characteristics. For male or female to eat too much. That is what's meant by eat tayyibah. And it will affect your amal salih, righteous actions. What did we say? Righteous action stands on how many things? Ikhlas and? And mutara. Then the Prophet told us a story of a man. A man, he's a traveler. Are you with me, brothers? 
What did this man do? Underline these points, please. This hadith. Rajulun, what is this man? Rajulun yutilu safar. He's a musafir, number one. I want you to write this down. What was the man, number one? He's a musafir, number one. Ash'ata Akbar. He's dusty and his hair is he's struggling. So he's a what? He's a muddar. A muddar means what? Second. He's a person who's in need. He's, in, he's stressing. Are you with me, brothers? He's under pain and suffering. He's under hardship. That's number two. Write that for me. Number three. The man said, the man what? He rose his hand. Yamuddu. Yamuddu. Yadehi. He raised his hands in the air. That's number? Number three. Ya Rab. Ya Rab. Number four. The man, what did he say? He said, Ya Rab, Ya Rab. Those four, each one the Prophet told us they, the dua of the person is accepted. Each one independently. The first one was what? The Prophet said, Salatatun. Three types of people. The Prophet said this. Their dua is not rejected. Who's the first one? The traveler. That's number one. He's a traveler. His dua should not be rejected. Number two. He's a person who's Ash'at Akbar. He's suffering. He's going through hardship. Allah says in the ayah, In the ayah Allah Taala He said Who is the one who uplifts What's the ayah? أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُضَّرَّ إِذَا دَعَاهُ وَيَكْشِفُ السُّوءَ وَيَجْعَلُكُمْ خُلَفَاءَ الْأَرْضِ أَإِلَاهُمْ مَعَ اللَّهِ Allah says أَمَّنْ يُجِيبُ الْمُضَّرَّ Who is the one who responds to the dua of the The one who's going through hardship I am the one who does it The one who's going through hardship Allah accepts his dua this man is suffering. Okay, he's a traveler and he's suffering. Yamuddu yadayhi ila sama. The man rose, he raised his hands in the sky. The Prophet said, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, in the hadith, Inna Allah hayyun kareem. Ida rafa'a ilayya abdun yadah, lam yaluthuma sifra. Allah is shy. Allah is generous. No slave raises his hands in the air and asks Allah, except Allah gives him what he wants. He did that. Two, three. Four. The man said, Ya Rabb, Ya Rabb. This is the fourth thing that dua should be accepted. Surah Al-Ali Imran. What did Allah say? In the Fihalki Samawati, or the Waktilafi Lay, when the Hari Layati, the Uli Albab, Ladin, the Kuruna, Laha Kiyama, or Kuruda, or Allah Jumubim, where the Fakuruna Fihalki Samawati, or Arab, Rabbana Mahalakta, Bartina, Subhanaka, Fakina, Adabanar, Rabbana, 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 until the last page of Surah Al-Ali Imran. What does it finish with? Festajabna, we accepted the dua. Why did Allah accept their dua? Because they said what? Ya Rabb. He said, Ya Rabb. Brothers, please, each one I brought an evidence for you to show you that the dua is accepted. True or false? Did I not? I did, right? All four of them are present in one man. And his dua didn't get accepted. No. Allah chose not to accept the dua. For each one should be accepted for it. For why? Because he came with a big crime. 
What was it? وَمَطْعَمُهُ حَرَامٌ His food was haram. Are you with me, brothers? That's one. وَمَشْرَبُهُ حَرَامٌ What he drank was haram. وَمَلْبَسُهُ حَرَامٌ His clothing was haram. وَغُذِيَ بِالْحَرَامِ He was nurtured upon haram. Pay attention, brothers. How many haram things did he come with? Four. How many things did he come for it to expect? They eliminated each other. He has nothing. He's zero now. Are you with me, brothers? He got rid of it. His dua never got accepted. The Prophet even said, How can this man's dua be accepted? How? What does he come with? Meaning he has come with nothing, zero. He came with, with nothing. Brothers, watch what you eat. Wallahi, watch what you drink. Watch what you nurture yourself on. The difference between Ghudiya and the Mat'amuhu, what's the difference? Mat'amuhu and Ghudiya. The first one and the last one. What is the difference one? Mat'amuhu is food. He ate food which was haram. Lakin Ghudiya is whatever you eat that's not necessarily food. It's not, it's not, it is not um, food. It's any other things that you take into your system that are what? Like drugs. Ghudiya. It can be it. Are we all together? Or sleeping. Ghada means sleeping. He nurtured his body upon what? So ghada is a more general word than the mat'amuhu. Drinking and eating fall under ghada, but ghada also means other things as well. It's he took in substance and things into his system that were what? That were haram. Does that make sense? فَأَنَّا يُسْتَجَابُ How can this man's dua be accepted? How can this man's dua be accepted? So we need to be scared of what we eat and what we drink. We also need to be careful of what we bring to our children. The kind of provision that we bring home. We'll be asked the day of judgment. And what, child, what type of child are you trying to raise who you're bringing them haram food? You're bringing riba from the bank for your children. Allah and you want to nurture this child to be good. Allah says in the Quran, Allah destroys riba. Your children are going to be destroyed because of this. We'll stop there inshallah ta'ala. Um, we'll do the rest for next tomorrow inshallah ta'ala. I'll take five minutes questions because you guys, since, since it started, no one's giving you guys the chance to have questions, right? Sahih, can we take questions? Ah, huh? Hi. The author, Imam al Muzani, he didn't mention, he didn't mention in his sharah, in the matan, the sirat. We will be speaking about it in Aqidat al When we study Aqidat al it will come up, inshallah ta'ala. But Jazakallah khairan for pointing it out. Now. If you realize that the difference of opinion from scholars and you're able to look into an issue and you realize this is a khilaf which is fair, 
لأن لا شك ولا ريب ليبت الإمام بخاري look what he did in his sahih Bukhari believed that the thighs is not aura the thighs of the man the thighs it's not a aura because the Prophet when the companions came to him Abu Bakr entered his thighs, his thighs were showing and then Umar came in and his thighs were showing والسلام, and then Uthman came in the Prophet sat up he covered his thighs and then Aisha was looking and she said Ya Rasulullah why is it that you covered your thighs when Uthman came in and he said Ala min minhu should I not be shy of a man the angels are shy of so this scholars took from it that the thighs are not aura Bukhari strengthened that opinion but do you know what he said Wal-ahwatu. the safest way is to cover it it's a grey area don't play around just cover it what's, what's the big problem just cover it وَمَا إِلَّا ذَلِكَ Say that again. If Allah said that the religion is complete, if this cup is complete and it's full, can you add something to it? اليوم Today I completed the religion. Is there anything that could be added onto something which is already complete? No. So without a doubt, that means that it's complete, it's full, it doesn't need anything. Because for you to add something to the religion, you're saying that the religion is def- deficient, I need to finish it off. No, it was already complete. No. Afadal. Mm. And the question here is, is Are you allowed to migrate from the land of the non, uh, land from the Muslims to the land of the non-Muslims? The scholars they say bishart, with one condition: if you can implement your religion more in the land of the non-Muslims than the Muslim country. Like the Sahabas, they migrated to the land of the what? Non-Muslims. Where did they migrate to? Habasha, Abyssinia. And we, 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 what do we call that? What do we call it? Hijrah. But it wasn't the land of the Muslims. Because the Prophet said, Inna fiha malak, la ahad. There is a leader, no one is oppressed in his presence. So if you can't implement your religion more in the land of the Muslims and you can in the land of the non Muslims, you're allowed to do migration. And it will be called Hijrah. That's not considered hijrah. Hijrah is what? The ajri? The deen. Huh? It's allowed. You can go there, education and learn and... You can. You can go and educate yourself and come back. No doubt. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the point of... We're talking about the point which is... Huh? We're talking about the point of... Is it called hijrah? If you go to the UK to, to study medicine. We don't call that... We don't call that... We don't call that, we don't call that hijrah, we call it's, it's mubah. It's what? It's mubah, you can go if you want to. As long as you can implement your, as long as you can implement your religion, and you know your deen. Yeah? Since you asked one question, let's give it to me. If a person does uh, shirk, uh, do you think this is part of Islam, and he's 
dies without knowing that this was a shirk? A person does shirk and he doesn't know he's doing shirk, would he be excused for it? Mm. It's a mas'ala. Tawila jiddan. It's a long mas'ala. Al-udru. Al-udru bil jahli. Can shirk be ex- ignorant, be excused? Huh? We'll say inshallah ta'ala, we hope Allah tabarak wa ta'ala forgives him and but there are, it's in need. Huh? It's not a it's a two hours discussion. What land is he in? Is Tawheed being taught in that land? Are you with me, brothers? Um, how recent did he enter Islam? How long was he a Muslim for? This is, it's a big topic. It requires more, more looking. Hey, Fadl, last question. Allahumma amin. It is, is it befitting for uh, a, a student of knowledge to play and wrestle with young kids? The Sheikh Usaim is... Uh, we haven't mentioned it, right? Yeah. Uh, we mentioned it last lesson. That it's from the Khawarim al For a student of knowledge to wrestle and play around with what? Little kids. As for his own kids, that's an exception. Because the Prophet played with what? Hassan and Hussein. But imagine you saw the mufti of the country, you know, 10 year olds punching him and he's punching them back. How would you see it? No. Can we just, this, can we make this the last question? And then tomorrow we'll take, we'll take more questions. Tomorrow we'll take what? We'll take more questions, inshallah ta'ala. So write down your question that I'm going to ask you next week, inshallah ta'ala. Next, tomorrow, inshallah ta'ala. Okay? بارك الله فيكم جزاكم الله خيرا